do 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 switch mania playcast welcome to episode 13 of the switch mania playcast lucky 13 <laughs> classics i think we're getting sillier as we go on well i mean i don't think i'm getting any sillier i think <laughs> it's just <laughs> continuing. That's true. On the line. So, we got any um, feedback from the last episode? Yes. Um, so, I seem to get pretty consistent feedback from the same group of people, which is always welcoming. Um, and it comes from the Facebook group. But just again, they've just been enjoying the content that we're doing. They're finding it to be fun, and, and they're playing games that they have overlooked just like I have before even we started the show. So I, I like that. I mean, I like that we're kind of introducing people to new games, even though they came out possibly a while ago, like this one. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool just seeing all the feedback of, yeah, I need to play this, and finally mm-hmm. dusting the game off and giving it a try. And, you know, even if people, like, add it to their rotation, it's, you know, it's a win for for the Switch itself, but also for us, so we got more to uh, chat about. Yeah, and I don't know if it's coincidental, but a lot of the games that we're picking are great pick-up-and-play games. Yeah. And we'll get into it with this one, but you know, it's just another game where I feel like I could jump back into in a couple months and still find it like super enjoyable and not have to worry about going back to the beginning of it. And I like that. I feel like, I don't know if that's just lots of games and we're just you know randomly picking them but it's working out well for me because you know i'm a completionist and i want to finish all the games but now that you know we just don't have the time to it's nice to know that these are games that i could easily i feel go back into yeah i mean the i think the pick up and play aspect of the switch itself really lends itself to a lot of games that you know support drop in drop out features Mm -hmm. and I mean, that'll probably continue as we go, but it'll be interesting to see if we ever pick up a massive game and and how it fares. Right. So, I got a little bit of a story that I alluded to JP over the weekend, and I think it's time to go into a little bit of detail on it. I have been waiting patiently. (laughs) There's a couple things that I've been (laughs) making JP wait on this week, so kind of do that, and I'm like, oh. You just have to wait till the playcast. Uh-huh. Now is time. So now, now we're here. So last weekend, I was at Classic Game Fest in Austin. And mm-hmm. I definitely have to thank everybody that came by my booth, chatted me up. Um, it was really awesome. Uh, tons and tons of positive feedback on book quality and the Switch Mania playcast. Awesome. Um, so the story is that one listener came up and she said, hey, um, so I was listening to the playcast last week and I noticed that you said you didn't have a copy of Tiny Troopers. And so she's like, I brought you a copy of Tiny Troopers. What? Wow. <laughs> so, so uh, huge awesome. shout out to Lizette Martinez, which we definitely have seen on comments. Yeah, thank the, you, Lizette. Playcast, That's awesome. Playcast. And thank you for your generous donation to the uh, Switch Mania Playcast. I definitely did not have a copy of Tiny Troopers. And now you do. Now I do. Um, and- 
And that's what I like about the Switch is like with my collection, I feel like so many of the games aren't just, you know, I go to the store and buy them. I, I'm starting to find that I have stories behind how I got them or, you know, you know, just something about the game, you know, talking with the developer or publisher. And now you have Tiny Troopers and you have a meaning behind it now. You know, that's like a special copy. It's not just one that, you know, you went to Walmart and then found or somebody shipped to you, but that she has a, a nice story behind it. And that's that's really cool. I love I love that. Yeah, and that makes it like, well, never getting rid of a copy that copy of that game ever. Exactly. Even if I got out of the Switch, I would hold on to every game that has meaning to it. Like stuff mm-hmm. like that where it has a story is what builds nostalgia. Yep. And believe you me, that story will go into a future Switch collector book too. Like it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> um that being said, I, I we definitely appreciate all the um, the ratings on iTunes, uh, leaving you know feedback about the playcast. Um, it definitely helps you know us pop up. I think we're now seventh or eighth in. If you type in Nintendo Switch, we're like the seventh or eighth podcast that comes up. Which I is love, yeah, awesome after awesome. The, after you know the thirteenth episode. Now that's amazing because most of those podcasts are in the hundreds of episodes. Wow, yeah, so. Yeah, that- that means a lot, and not not to jump back, but it's funny you mentioned Lizette. She actually reached out to me right after our episode last week. She was the first one to leave feedback, and you remember we had a contest for anyone who would leave us feedback. Oh, I know. And- she showed me at the convention, and I go, why didn't you tell me you are going to be here? I would have brought the case uh-huh. with me. I would have literally brought it with me and could have given it to her in person. I was like, man. <laughs> it's a small world and she even said she said i've ordered state of mind already because of us that's awesome yeah yeah and i love that because you know it, it it's funny it's just there's so many games for the switch and not even just on the eShop, but just physical releases that you can easily either buy and just put on the shelf and say i'll get to it later or you may just miss it completely and it's great that you know we're able to jump back and really focus on a game each week from anywhere in the switch life cycle already and it's it could be somebody's first time playing it or even first time knowing about it and i think that's great and yeah i I did see a few people saying that they're picking it up or it's on their wish list now and hopefully more people got a chance to play it in the last week and now after we talk about you know tiny barbarian depending on how you thought about it maybe more people are going to be playing this one as well well i think it's time to delve in isn't it yeah let's do it so let's jump into tiny barbarian DX, our game of the week. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and read the summary. Um, so summary is, steal yourself for a relentless display of might and muscle, of brawn and bravery, of magic and mayhem. Can you cleave <laughs> your enemy's skulls, plunder all the booty, and flex to impress the barbarine of your dreams? Inspired by heroic, heroic fantasy fiction, Tiny Barbarian <laughs> DX combines engaging 2D platform action and combo-based hack-and-slash combat with retro-style pixel art and a loincloth-stirring chiptune <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> I love the... I'm going to start reading the Metacritic summaries like every time because it's ridiculous. <laughs> the source was from was Nintendo's great. website this time. Um, and it has a Metascore of 77, so it has a 7.7, which is generally favorable for, throughout. Um, mm-hmm. All the reviews that I tend to see from critics and users, though, it's usually an 8 or 9, um, but it averages out to a 7.7, 7, so pretty cool. Um, so first of all, 
how far were we able to get in mm -hmm. Tiny Barbarian DX? Um, I got a bit of a story. So you could you could start. So I mentioned before that I had not beaten the game or whatever for mm -hmm. like when I played it before. And so like in 2017, I bought the game when it was released on launch day. Had all the goodies with it and everything, um, mm -hmm. which we'll go over in detail. But um, basically, like I got through, I was playing it, and I got to this wizard witch battle, and where mm -hmm. you have to save the girl. And I got through, played it like tons and tons of times, kept dying, and eventually I beat her. And my daughter wanted to play something on the Switch, and this is before she was actually playing the Switch. So I'm like, okay, we'll play the Switch. Um, I didn't realize that it didn't go to a checkpoint. Oh. So it started yep. me right before the battle again when I booted oh. up the next time. I'm like, all right, I'm done for a while. <laughs> and that was the last time I played it until for the playcast. Yep. Um, that being said, that battle um, was right before you do a, you grab your girl, go on the cats and ride out. Um, that's mm -hmm. just the end of episode one. <laughs> and there's five episodes. Technically four full ones in one bonus mini episode but yes. still that's that was the only the end of episode one of Tiny <laughs> Barbarian DX. and that's a full-fledged like retro style nes or super nintendo game like that one episode is like a full retro gaming experience yeah after um after you had posted on on the facebook group or that you were playing it or maybe even on your personal page, and I was like, that's only the first level? <laughs> because I was playing, and I'm just like, you know, this game doesn't seem as long as I thought. You know, you have the map as you beat certain, each each sub-level, and yeah, I'm like, like okay, I'm like getting to the end. Like goblins, ghouls, and ghosts. Yeah, and I'm getting to the end, and I'm thinking like, oh, like, everyone was talking about how hard this game was, and I didn't think it was that bad. It, it seemed kind of short. And then when I saw your screenshot, and you had beaten the first level, and you're like, oh, that's only the first one. There's still like three more. Episode I'm thinking to myself like, I'm like, oh my god. I'm just like, I was having a hard enough time getting through the first one, and and I felt so accomplished. And I was like, oh, I'm just at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and I I will have to say that for like a normal gamer, the first episode's great. First mm -hmm. episode is like a delve into like classic NES hard gaming. Um, mm -hmm. Now, two, three, four, five is when they turn up the uh, the difficulty a lot. The difficulty spikes. Oh, um, that being said, I am only in the beginning of episode two. Um, I can oh, get. Great. I got past the boulder chase and everything. Um, wow. However, I did uh -huh. something with this one that I had to because the music's so awesome and everything. Um, yeah. And that being said, Jeff Ball, the musician, the Chip 2 artist, um, mm -hmm. we did interview him like a year ago on VGBS Gaming Podcast back in the day, my old podcast. So we mm -hmm. do have an interview with him. Really awesome dude. Super, super cool. Um, anyways, I um I was watching on YouTube a No Death speed run of it, and it's like three hours. Oh, my God. With the No Death <laughs> speed run. And, but it, but the music was so amazing. I was watching an instance. Um, so I got a lot of cool feedback from what I was able to watch, but I was able to at least beat the first episode. <laughs> so how far did you get? I'm, I'm actually surprised. I think this may be the first time in 13 episodes where I got farther than you. Yeah. So I was able to get um, to the 
I guess like right before the end, right before the last section of chapter two. So in chapter two, they have an homage to Super Mario three. Actually, was it already there? I don't know yet. Um, But pretty much, I'm on the bees, and it's a side-scrolling level um, where bees part. Yeah. So I. Hmm. But if you're only at the beginning of chapter two, though, I'm not sure. It's the beginning of chapter two still. There's like three boss fights or something still in chapter two. Well, I, I beat the Donkey Kongish uh, boss sub boss battle. Ah, you're the second bees part. Okay, I, I got yes. the first yes, yes, yes. bees part. There's multiple yes, so this, bees part. You yeah, get to write on bees, everyone. Yes, you do. And you know what? It makes so much sense now when I look at the uh, the keychain that's included with the physical first version, where he's riding a bee, oh, and like I'm like, I have no idea. a diaper when you do that, by the way, on the camera. It's like. Oh, sorry. Whoopsie. I was taking it out, and it's Diaper a little plastic. <laughs> so I, it's about like four screens worth of you going left to right with the bees as the screen is moving, and I just, I just beat um, the last screen of that before the checkpoint. I want to make sure I got to a checkpoint. Yeah. Um, so that's where I'm at right now, and I'm, I still want to go through it. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna hopefully try and beat the second level tonight before I go to bed. But yeah, it's, it's getting harder and harder for me. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I like is the checkpoint mentality kind of mm-hmm. adds to the to the appeal because if you keep at it, eventually you'll get to the next checkpoint. You learn the patterns for that section yes, and go through and get to the next checkpoint. And my thing was is I realized with that many episodes that I wasn't going to have enough time to, uh, to beat everything and I wanted mm-hmm. to catch as many things as I could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, with the platforming, so there's you have your traditional platforming levels. You have forced scrolling levels where the screen moves on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, you have beast riding modes. You ride a cat or ride a bee or some other stuff later in the game. Um, and I mean, there's just lots and lots of different vine hanging platforming. Um, so what references did you see? You said Super Mario three. You actually said Mario three, but um, I'm I'm going to. What was the what was the Mario reference that you saw? Yeah, I, I so I talked with you know as as you know we we talked with the developer and now yeah. I'm trying to think yep. if don't don't us spill if, the beans on the developer. Not, nope, not going to. But I don't know now if I read what he wrote and I'm thinking that was the side scrolling because I thought that was like the airship level. Um. And then he kind of also made a reference to that. So I wasn't sure if that's what he was talking about with the the bees going left to right and trying to dodge. Because at one point you have the monkeys throwing like uh, coconuts at you. So it's kind of like the cannons shooting at you. Um, so I noticed Maybe. that. You mentioned also, Donkey Kong with the, yeah. with the monkey. Oh, yeah. The boss, the boss battle was two stages. And the first stage was just classic Donkey Kong. You're trying to get up uh, the different platforms with the barrels rolling down, but at the same time you have these monkeys also jumping around trying to hit you. So that I I clearly noticed. And then there's just um So I got yeah. a bunch. Yeah. You can so, go. So um Pitfall, there's a bunch of swinging vines yep. throughout levels. So definitely Pitfall. Um there's Castlevania wall meat. Mm-hmm. So, so you can open up get meat out of the wall. So there's definitely Castlevania references. Episode three is like a complete Castlevania representation where like there's the whole gate at the beginning and everything mm-hmm. and that's actually like the first part of that section has a lot of manipulation of going before in front of and behind the gate 
Um, there's the Golden Axe Gnomes that you hit to get money and and energy from. So yep. That's, like, from Golden Axe. Um, there's a whole, like, part um, of, like, Shinobi 3 where you're going down a, um, a waterfall. And there's definitely mm-hmm. a representation of Shinobi 3. Um, there's a part where you're going up a castle um, in, in Episode 3. And it's definitely, like, reminds me of Castilian. I don't know if you play Castilian on the NES. No. Um, it's also called Tower Turmoil on the Atari 7800. But it's like, and and also could go to, uh, there's also a section on Battletoads. Where, like, so literally you have this a cylinder, a cylinder that moves around and you have to jump on from platform to platform. And there's enemies that attack you. So there's like, it's like stealing the Battletoads combination for that, which is really cool. Um, nice. My favorite part, though, it's later and I can't wait to get to it, but, um... Eventually, the tiny barbarian gets captured, and you get to play as Barbarina. You get to oh, play as the girl, and she has this nice. big old mech suit. She jumps out of it, and you have a gun, and you run around with a gun and get to shoot all the enemies. Oh my, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and it's and it goes completely futuristic, and everything's robots, robots, and um. <laughs> There's like literally an enemy that comes and does a Sonic and Knuckles reference where Knuckles is laughing and drops you down. That happens. <laughs> um, there's more. There's Strider references with a whole like audience watching as you fight a battle. Um, mm-hmm. Literally that that same one that drops you down attacks you almost like the Black Queen from Battletoads. Like it's like insane. And like there's sort of so many references and there's even more because like. The box art from um, the Switch release mm-hmm. is actually drawn by the same artist who did Adventure Island on the NES. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I and, did not know that. And it's classic because he drew the hair blonde when Tiny Barbarian doesn't have blonde hair. But <laughs> that's a classic NES trip, too. But yeah, if you look at the um, Barbarina, she has mm-hmm. the same look as the girl you save in Adventure Island. So Wow. Yeah, it's the same artist. Like they got him in Japan to, to do the art. And I think I I could be wrong, but I think it's exclusively for the Nicolas Switch release. So there was a different art for the um the previous releases. Oh wow. Made. So it's it's really cool. It looks awesome. It's all cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm look yeah, I'm looking at it now and I love the the reverse cover for it. And I will absolutely say that, like, near the end, you get to play as both the Barbarian and Barbarina. And, like, there's, you get to ride on the back of a mech. And it's like, there's some, it gets super insane and complex. And I guarantee you, I'm, the max is going to be episode three for me, skill wise. Like, cause mm-hmm. it gets, it gets intense. There's lots of stuff. Um, I do have some techniques, though, that keys to success for Tiny Barbarian. Um, Please share. So basically, this is a game that you're going to want to take on bits at a time until you learn every ad- enemy pattern. So basically, <laughs> like all the enemies, you got to know what they're going to do. And in order to do that, it's going to take a little trial and error. But the main thing you want to do is you're going to want to take out anything that shoots at you first. So if you have like a little like enemy that just shoots lasers at you or anything. That's the first thing you want to take out in the level. So as soon as you come to it, you see something that shoots, you get it. Get rid of mm-hmm. it. The second thing is all those enemies with a sporadic movement. Anything mm-hmm. that might be super difficult that you're going to want to take out. 
Um, later on, there's some really super difficult enemies that like require a lot of effort to take out. Like they, you bounce off them and stuff like that. Some of those, it's better to just leave them alone and move on, especially if mm-hmm. they don't shoot at you. Or they just shoot like a stationary thing that only hits like a, a general radius around them. So mm-hmm. Just move on, learn their pattern, move on, and get to the next section. Because like the key is is minimizing damage, and then seeing where the cracks are in the level where you can get your wall meat, so you can progress to the next save point. Um, there's also a way to hack the gameplay um, because at classic game fest on friday night um my buddy ryan who's a pixel art painter um we were playing two-player tiny barbarian on his tv so playing cooperatively is awesome um there's a way to manipulate the gameplay mechanics though to to kind of not really cheat the system but like maximize your abilities to progress um Mm -hmm. so basically uh you have both both of your characters have a life bar, right? Just like normal. Um, so as you go through, if one character's dying, um, instead of instead of like giving him the wall meat or giving him the energy, and you possibly only you know not replenishing yours, if mm-hmm. they're about to die, let them die, and then the next screen they come back with full health. Uh-huh. If they That's have good. one health when they go to the next screen, they have one health on the next screen. Mm-hmm. So if they're dead, they come back to life though. So if it's it's one of those things where it's we were always seeing where we were, and like if I only had one health left, I'd just kill myself, and then he would jump to the next screen, I'd come back with full health. And so unless both care unless both players die, that's the only way you restart is if both players die. So you continue. That's a good. That's a good tip. So if you have two skilled players, you could do it. Yeah. Yeah. This game sounds like when you get to the later stages, you're gonna want to have somebody jump in with you. The only thing is, though, is that having a second player is it does get chaotic at times. Like it, mm-hmm. we noticed. I noticed a few times where we were both going off to run, and I was like watching him, and I just like fell off and died. <laughs> <laughs> like ah. Oh. And you can do the classic steal a health pellet from from your partner, too. Mm, that's good to know. Yeah, so like basically, if you're on end boss and you need extra firepower and they're not going to come back to life, you can, mm-hmm. press, you can press the button and come back to life and have one health point. And you steal one, uh. from, your, <laughs> you steal one from your teammate, though. <laughs> so it's funny, but like... I mean, there's, but definitely the couch co-op way is definitely the way to to fly with Tiny Barbarian, um, and it's awesome. Like to me, with the combination of the the graphics having like a a sixteen to thirty two bit style, the m- beautiful backgrounds, multiple parallax scrolling, the music mm-hmm. is adrenaline pumping retro style. Like it's. It's crazy too because as you go through like the Castlevania level, the futuristic level, like it all has a unique sound, but it all feels like it fits together as one like soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Really crazy. Like they're all distinct for what they are, like for all the different sections, but then it like it absolutely goes together. Yeah, this is one that I wish had come with a soundtrack. 
because I just yeah. fell in love with the music so much as I was playing it, and it just fit perfectly with the game. That being said, I do know that Jeff Ball does have a the whole albums available on Bandcamp. Oh, okay. To be able to listen to. Um, I wish that we got this on vinyl. Like, mm-hmm. but each like episode has its own soundtrack too. So it'd be like a a five vinyl set or something ridiculous. Like <laughs> it would be amazing though. Like having a having a box set of Tiny Barbarian DX. Like is I am eight bit listening to this? Maybe, maybe they, they are. should be. They should be because it would absolutely be a treasure to have Tiny Barbarian DX. Like this is an amazing soundtrack. And um, I know I mentioned it to you. I think it might have been offline, but like Jeff Ball did, also did music for like Steven Universe. So mm, like nice. he's he's a um a pretty prolific musician. Like and it shows. Like it's just it's awesome just seeing oh, yeah. everything that he's able to uh to accomplish here with us. Um. So what else do you have from your playthrough? For me personally, a lot of what you said, I I thought the small bursts were really good uh, for playing. But what's funny is that even though I would say like, oh, I'm just going to play, you know, for 10, 15 minutes, like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour would go by just because of that checkpoint mentality. It's just I want to get to that next screen, make sure that, you know, I save my progress. But then once you get to it, you're like, you know what, I really enjoyed that last level, you know, swinging through the vines or trying to trying to just time your jump right. And then I go to the next one, I'm like, okay, well, what are they gonna? What mechanics are they gonna add now that may not have been in the previous stages? So I start playing through that, and it's funny. A lot of times I would have one one um, health left, and I would think to myself, like, okay, should I keep going, or you know, I know I'm just near the beginning of that of that screen. Maybe I should just die and just start again. And I, and you're right, like learning the patterns was so important. So even with one health. I would still try and go as far as I could just to see, okay, what should I be anticipating moving forward? So that way when I respawn, I knew already what to expect. And it was a good challenge just for myself. Like as as I got low on the health, I'm like, all right, well, let's see how far I can go, knowing that I'm probably not going to make it. And sometimes I did make it through the screen, like just by sheer luck, it just worked out. Um, I made that jump just right. And then I'd keep going. And I just, I loved it. There's there's a lot of variety in the game and you know your first thought i know some people have commented and we'll read those later is that you look at the graphics right they're old school graphics and you're like all right you know like maybe this isn't my kind of style but i tell you like at first i was a little put off by the graphics and it's it's perfect i mean for this game it was absolutely perfect and i thought the controls were spot on and you really need to get really good at timing yeah. and and learning the pattern and i think once you get that it just becomes a very fun game because yeah you're gonna die but to me it wasn't like for some reason it wasn't like cuphead where i knew i was just gonna die so much i mean everyone dies in that game and that's pretty much what it's known for is just how hard it is but this this was challenging at least you know in the first stage and uh, the first level and then most of level two but it was challenging but it was so fun yeah. And like dying was just like, all right, like I made it to here. I'm going to see how much further I can get. And it was just the graphics are just perfect. I mean, I think I just said that, but they really are. It's just so <laughs> vibrant. Right. And it's just it works so well. And well, then there's so the much music. variety behind all of the different yeah. like for like environments that is shown off. And I mean, you've only seen through the second world and 
like it goes deeper and deeper down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it go, you go from Egyptian in the first episode to the jungles in the second, and then it goes yep. to Castlevania, and then it goes to futuristic, and then the, the fifth one's like a little mini one of like a ghost yard, and it's like super cool though. And I think one thing we didn't touch upon is that as soon as you turn on the game, it oh, yeah. you know it's it scrolls up. And you're already fighting. You're on top of like a mountain, or a, I don't even know if it's a mountain, but we can call it a mountain. And you just have this wave after wave of enemies. And the whole idea is just how you know how long can you survive? And that does become an option because once you die, the title screen comes up, and then you start the game. But you can go back to that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's called versus horde mode. Yep. And I it thought keeps it was track of your score. Yeah, and it was so much fun. And I remember when I first turned the game on, I was like, okay, I, I lasted maybe like 10, 15 seconds. And then after playing through most of the second level and then starting up the game again, I go, oh, I lasted like a, you know, a few minutes. I'm getting better at this. And it's funny because the enemies start out just like the basic grunts and then the next wave of enemies come and that's where I died. So I didn't make it too much further, but I, I like that. It's, it's just, it starts the game off really fun, I thought. Absolutely. So there is one thing we could do with this game that we could start with any of the older games. And like I have already written my review for the Switch Collector book and I could read the Tiny Barbarian DX review for it. Let's do it. We'll start giving a tease of what to expect in the book. Exactly. So so basically with this one, uh, it was released in October 10th of 2017. So it's almost nearing its second year being released. Um developed by Star Quail Games and published by Nicholas. Um, so Tiny Barbarian DX is a homage to the action platforming games of old. Chock full of references to older gaming franchises and even a few classic films, this game hits all the right notes when it comes to retro-inspired phenomena. You initially play as the titular hero rescuing the damsel in distress. However, the roles eventually reverse. There are multiple modes here with two different playable characters and rideable beasts. And things are constantly evolving until you eventually need to prove your worth as a gamer, showing true mastery of this game. That's the intro paragraph. <laughs> um, the retro-inspired graphics are breathtaking and encapsulate what reimagining a classic style should feel like. From its barbarian roots with lush backgrounds to the Tron-inspired futuristic levels that thrust the player into the unknown, the graphics are perfection. The music by Jeff Ball is something to behold as well. Uh, it fits each and every scene perfectly, um, while still keeping a unified style throughout the entirety of the game. This is a soundtrack that is screaming for a full album release on vinyl. Um, the, <laughs> the gameplay is spot on, and that is a good thing since the action is fast and furious throughout the entirety of the game. Tiny Barbarian DX offers four massive chapters, each with their own story, with which is a throwback, throwback to the movie serials of old. The first chapter is what I would call palatable. However, after that, the kid gloves are off and the difficulty slowly <laughs> wraps up to the point that only true platforming masters will survive. So, like, I go into depth on this thing. I-T. I'm also checking to, um, to see if I spell things correctly. Um, <laughs> the key to success in Tiny Barbarian DX is being able to compartmentalize each section by enemy type, taking out the shooting enemies first, then with any, then any with sporadic movements. This clears out a path that makes things somewhat doable. That is definitely easier said than done. 
However, it is rewarding when you successfully progress to each new section. Even though there is a feeling of quote-unquote Nintendo hard with this game, there are checkpoints that are frequent enough to make continual progress possible. This <laughs> game will test your skills, and then some, and it is nice to see some modern additions. Then uh, the, the summary paragraph, uh, Tiny Barbarian DX is how you do a retro-style game in a modern era. It has tons of graphical polish, excellent level design, tight gameplay, and an amazing soundtrack. This game is extremely difficult, however, still doable thanks to the progression system. Even the physical release of this game harkens back to older game releases with goodies included in the launch, showing the, that Nicholas truly gets it when it comes to putting out games. This game is a must known for old school players. Um, and then underneath that, I have Look What Comes Inside promo, which shows the free chippy PVC keychain that you were talking about where Tiny Barbarian's mm -hmm. riding the um, bee. And then mm -hmm. the tiny loincloth, and they cross it out and put microfiber pouch. Microfiber pouch? I don't have that. Uh, yeah, there's a microfiber pouch that comes with it. It's a little little uh, brown loincloth-looking pouch. Oh, the pouch that has the keychain in it. Yeah, the microfiber brown yes. okay. pouch. Sorry, thinking microfiber cloth. Okay, tiny, my bad. Tiny loincloth. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love the manual. As you're reading them, just I took out the manual and it's just beautiful. Oh yeah, I mean it's, it's like, like a full NES style manual. Like yeah, it's amazing. It it is about 32 pages long. It you know it starts off with the official seal of Nicalis, seal of quality, like the seal of Nintendo, and then it's just so much. I mean, Tablecon. It's fully colored. It starts off with a comic strip of the intro that leads right into the very first screen of the actual game where your hero's tied up, and then it just has so many tips and tricks and moves. And, you know, they really helped reading this because I would not have thought to do certain attacks early on. And just looking through here going like, oh, okay, if I press this and that, I can, you know, do an uppercut, I can do a body slam. And it really helped. And, you know, the, the artwork inside the manual is just, it's very cartoony, it's very cute, and it, but it's so detailed. I mean, it's just, it's just great. And you know it's funny you, you're talking about the um, the artist, but on the back in the back of the book it says making the cover, and it talks about it. And it's none other than Tsutsumu Matsushita, and he's the beloved cover artist of Famitsu Japan's weekly video game magazine. Recently celebrated his 40th year as a professional illustrator and character designer. And I thought I think that's awesome. And you're right, like it mentions Adventure Island for the NES and TurboGrafx-16, but it's just Great. And he says, the magazine has continued for more than 30 years, so even if I produced only one cover each month, I think I would have drawn nearly 400 by now. So, that being said, when we mentioned Adventure Island, we do need to um, explain that it's not the U.S. Adventure Island cover, that crazy one. It's actually mm -hmm. the one that's called Adventure Island Classic. When you look online, um, that one has a big cartoonish look to the box art. And mm -hmm. then, as you mentioned, TurboGrafx-16 also, it's a different art, but it's also the same artist that mm -hmm. lived for Adventure Island. But yeah, it's not that crazy U.S.-looking one that's kind of weird. Uh, definitely not that one. <laughs> yeah, but beautiful, beautiful uh, instruction booklet, and more games need this. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just that little touch that just makes the case more fuller. And you know what? They have those clips inside the switch cases. I mean, it's made for that. 
I mean, it's absolutely made for that, and where it disappoints me every time I open up a new game where there's no printing on the inside of the yeah. uh, inside of the case. There's no manual. It's just it's why I have some ideas that we could talk about at the end of the end of the cast that we've been. Mm-hmm messing around with we can mention it and if we forget to y'all can comment and remind us and we'll talk about it next week but hopefully we remember to talk about it this week um good so i think we probably before we get to the listener yes. feedback let's go, go ahead and we actually were in contact with star quail games and each of us asked um them a question mm-hmm. or a bunch of questions oh yeah a bunch and of questions I, I sent JP mine, so hopefully he didn't double tap. Um, You're going to go first, so I definitely will. So basically, my questions were, what were your retro inspirations behind the game? And I said, I have my ideas, which we already talked about my ideas on the cast. Um, I asked, mm-hmm. how has the physical Switch version been different for you than the other versions out there? And is mm-hmm. there any chance of a sequel or another retro follow-up? So... When it comes to the inspirations behind the game, um, he said there are some very specific retro inspirations, especially games like Shinobi 3 and other mm-hmm. Genesis games, especially those by Treasure, which include Gunstar Heroes, Dynamite Heading, etc., um, which are kind of the source of where a lot of my personal taste in the games come from. And you can absolutely tell a lot of those Treasure games, especially like Gunstar Heroes, where it's like fast and frantic. Um, especially episode four, there's a lot of comparisons I could draw to Gunstar Heroes. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said he tried to make a game that had a similar feel and rhythm to Treasure. Um, the elevator in episode one is definitely an homage to a certain scene in Shinobi 3, but I tried mm-hmm. to not be too overt with those references. <laughs> um, <laughs> other scenes are less direct inspiration and more like gags that I thought were funny. Like the start of episode three, putting you in front of a gate like in Castlevania, but you're stuck there until you figure out how to get past the fence yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, I love the retro inspirations and, um, it's really cool. Um, there's also just a general retro barbarian vibe that I really think gels with classic games in general. I wanted to try to capture some of the feel of the pulpy, Clonan sword and sorcery short story in video game form. So <laughs> he wrote Clonan, probably my Conan, but um, Conan. yeah, um, but yeah, it's just classic how many references there were. Um, mm-hmm. so for the um physical version for the Switch, he basically said uh didn't have much to do with the Switch version directly besides for helping to debug it. Nicholas have Nicholas handled all that magic. Um, I'd say the big difference is just that it exists at all in a mm-hmm. physical space on store shelves. I always thought of it as my weird little barbarian game. So big kudos <laughs> to Nicholas for making it so much more available and quote unquote present in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. I talking to a lot of developers, it's like been their dream to have a game on like a Nintendo console. And it's really cool to see like, also, they're just like completely blown away that their game is on a on a shelf. So it's awesome. Um, yeah, it's not even just yeah. Sorry, not to interrupt. It's not even a limited release. This was a full blown retail release in stores on the shelves, and that I'm I'm happy for that. Mm-hmm. And then um, when talking about a sequel, um, I've been thinking on and off about a sequel even before it was done. 
Um, but I have a bunch of other ideas that I like to explore, and I'm still figuring out what's next. I've started some things, but nothing's ready to be, quote-unquote, the next big project yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I love retro games and working in pixel art, so whatever comes next will definitely have some similarities. Um, nice. And he also said, because um, Tiny Barbarian is obviously from 2017, he said that he will definitely be open to doing a developer interview for the book. So expect yes. a, um, All right. expect him to be in the Switch Collector Volume 1, which is amazing. Oh, that's great. And we do have something to unveil about the Switch Collector at the end that JP doesn't even know about, so it's great. <laughs> you always seem to surprise me on, on these episodes. That's right. <laughs> so what questions did you ask him sure so my questions were similar a little bit different but he did expand on on some of the topics that um he spoke to you about so i spoke with michael stearns and he is the main guy behind the game part of starquell games um he was helped by jeff ball who did the music and sound and daniel roth who built the game engine and some tools used so the first question i asked i said on the back of the physical case it's stated that there is a clever homage to a classic video game in practically every scene. Could you tell us about how many in total there were? And as a follow-up, are there any homages, homages that no one has figured out that you're aware of? So he said practically every scene is definitely an exaggeration. There's also the difference I mentioned, like this thing in homage, or is this just a good idea that I stole or was influenced by <laughs> like the obvious Medusa head behavior of the bad enemies? So he said, I'm going to count them and I'm just going to list them. So this may, I don't know if this was published anywhere else aside from maybe just people playing the game, but straight from Michael himself, we're going to go episode by episode. And he pretty much gave me um, like those references. And let's see, let's I know, see if I pulled any or I made some up. You, too. you did. As you were talking, you definitely, you definitely touched upon a good number of them. And for me, just haven't played those classic games or haven't played them in a long time. You know, I didn't easily spot them, but here we go. Episode one, the first boss, the city gate, is clearly a boss from Contra. Nice. The elevator is Shinobi 3. Yep. The ending is an obvious guy standing on a cliff while a building explodes in the background, so kind of a Mega Man Castlevania thing there. Yep. Episode two, the gorilla boss is a clear Donkey Kong reference, but fun fact, also inspired by a scene in the Conan story, Jewels of Gualor... Which had a scene that I specifically thought if this were adapted to a video game, it would just be Donkey Kong. The Force Scroll airship is inspired by the Mar- Mario 3 airships. <laughs> Mario. You get me every time. You make me so self conscious. <laughs> we're going to be 70 episodes in and I'm still going to be doing this. Like the Mario. <laughs> <laughs> So episode three, the gate at the start is a riff on the gate at the start of Castlevania. This whole episode has a strong Castlevania vibe, and the first area in particular was meant to feel a bit like the first area in Super Castlevania or Rondo of Blood, including the boss being a hairy four-legged animal, a boar in this case. The flip over the fence move is a different mechanic, but totally cribbed from Revenge of Shinobi. And there's one stage in particular that borrows its layout heavily from one of those stages. The guys chucking axes also deliberately follow the same attack pattern as the grenade chucking enemies in Revenge. And that's part of why there are attack dogs too. The ascent up the chains and the tower being chained to the ground below is Sonic CD. Lots of... Yeah, yeah. Lots of games have spinning towers, but I was thinking specifically of Battletoads and Dynamite Heady when I made this one. Yeah, Battletoads, but like, yeah, the Castilian though, like it's that was like the the originator of all that. Mm-hmm. Episode 
Episode 4. Hmm. Well, the robot. Haha. It's not super close to anything, but I always wanted to make a game like Cybernator Assault Suits Vulcan, but never got it going, so that robot owes a lot to those games, even though he handles quite differently. Jeff also made a theme song for him that I felt was just too close. Ha ha ha. I believe it's a bonus track in the album. We didn't put it in the game, though. Jeff actually mentioned that during our interview that there was a bonus track on that on episode mm-hmm. four. The Space Queen boss is very similar to the Dark Queen in Battletoads, including yeah. a tornado attack. Yeah. And the best... And here we go. The best way to hurt her is to use the dash sword combo, which has a very similar effect as the Battletoads ramming attack. Similarly, it's effective on the Dark Queen. Also, the first boss in Episode 4 borrows an attack from Han in Guardian Heroes and was built with a kind of shot-a-clone mindset, though he looks nothing like those characters. He tries to goad you into attacking him by jumping over his fireball attacks and punishes you with a dragon punch. Uh So those... So those are the ones I consider the most deliberate anyway. It's a game that in general couldn't exist without the influence of retro games, though so I'm sure there's an argument to be made for others. So he said 14, maybe 15. And I thought that was great. I mean, he really went into it. And, you know, going back now, I really want to play the the games that these originated from or, you know, where he took the concepts from just to kind of see the comparison. But I think that's great that he kind of went over them and now... For people playing that may have played the NES games or those old games, um, like, me. <laughs> we'll, like you, will we'll be more alert to them when they come up. Um, so the next question I asked was, what was it like to partner with Nicholas to release this? So he said that they actually contacted him about publishing the game on consoles when the game was still very early. They saw the Kickstarter and was very in, and were very interested, but he wasn't ready to make that kind of commitment then. But they built up a relationship with him over time, so when he felt like... Um, was the end was in sight, he went straight to them without even contacting anyone else. They helped to finance episode four. He was running out of steam at that point and handled all the porting, and he helped with the debugging, as you mentioned. Um, so then I said, how long was the development of Tiny Barbarians, and what was the most challenging aspect to creating the game? So the game started in 2012, so it was about five years. It was successful enough with the Kickstarter that I was able to work on it full-time from home, and honestly, that's probably the biggest challenge. Learning to function in that kind of environment and be totally self-motivated is kind of tough. I had worked on my own before, but on smaller projects, or like I mentioned the programmer Daniel before, in the past we'd worked together on projects, like even sharing a space, but for this one, it was up to me to keep me motivated, sharing a workspace, that is. And more recently, his wife had begun telecommuting, and even though her work has nothing to do with his, it's been really helpful to just have someone else there. The social effect of someone else working is very helpful to him. So then I also said, are you working on a current project? And if so, could you share any updates? So mainly, he's been working on some projects for others that are under NDA for now, although there is one that's about to come out, Undead Darlings by Mr. Tired. It's basically the opposite of Tiny Barbarian, a visual novel plus dungeon crawler hybrid. He helped helped code their VN engine and dungeon navigation systems, but he's been prototyping some other projects of his own that will probably be more interesting to the Tiny Barbarian audience, but haven't decided what that will be yet. And not to say they wouldn't possibly find that interesting, but like I said, it's basically the opposite of Tiny Barbarians. Uh, He believes it's going to start out on PC and PS4. Uh, He doesn't know what their plans are beyond that, but they did make it in Unity, so they have options. And then I said, finally, what games or games for the Switch are you currently playing? And he's been playing Mario Maker. He says, it's hard to justify spending a lot of time with that because I could be making levels for my own games, but it's a lot of fun, and I really like playing levels made by other people I know. 
I've given myself a specific assignment with it, trying to make stages that are fun and interesting, but also really easy. I love hard games, obviously, and I didn't actually set out to make a hard game when I made Tiny Barbarians. It just turned out that the stuff I thought was interesting was also really hard. And you get that with Mario Maker. Like, it's very interesting to have Yoshi bounce through a level made of nothing but buzzsaws. And that's also inherently kind of a challenging thing. So I've been fighting that impulse and trying to make stages that are interesting in a different way. I also did a level about kicking buzzy beetle shells up using the mechanic in Mario World. You have to collect a certain number of coins to advance. But that one turned out to be the hardest one by far. Uh, He thinks it's really interesting and not difficult, but it turns out people died and gave up way more in that stage. Um, And what's really cool as I'm reading through these levels that he made is we're going to put links um, and videos to his levels as well as codes. So if you do want to try out his levels, you can. Um, and he says, if anyone wants to get vengeance on me for all the difficulty in Tiny Barbarians, they're welcome to send him your uh, Mario Maker courses. He will play them, though he will take normal non-vengeance levels too. And then he said, I really, I'm really glad you're enjoying the Tiny Barbarians challenge. So I thought that was great. I mean, he made time for us, which was amazing. You know, we spoke to... We spoke to him on Twitter, and it actually came about because of my weekly poll that we'll get yep. into in just a moment. And so I think you, he so had... You, what's funny, though, is you just had a post um, that yep. basically he responded to like two minutes ago while you were speaking. And you were saying, oh, really? did you know that Tiny Barbarian DX was only nineteen ninety nine at Best Buy is the game of the week? Yeah. And then he said that not the Switch... But it might be worth noting that Nikos is doing a Steam sale this weekend as well. Oh, um, yep, I There see might that. be a deal there. So, in other words, not only can you go get it for $19.99 at Best Buy, but also there's going to be a Steam sale this weekend, too, if you want to check out Tiny Barbarian on Steam. So, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. So, yeah, he's responding to the tweets, too. So, I mean, again, it goes to the interactivity of the, of the yeah. Nintendo Switch. And, like, gaming in general right now is just, like, everybody is so involved and out there and like this is a a great time to be a gamer and you know and you know we'll go into our recommendation for the game i think we both know what we're gonna say um it'll probably be very similar to each other but after speaking with michael and just seeing him interact with us that just elevated the game for me even more because it shows the passion that he had and you can see that, right? You know, you know it just because of all oh, the references. You, you can see it in the but, game when you play it, too. Right. But then hearing him talk about it and just really investing all that time. And then you play and you go, wow, you know, this every game is somebody's work. But when you actually speak to the person who worked on it, to me, that just means a lot more. I mean, I mean just simply like interviewing Jeff Ball like a year ago or a year and a half ago, like elevated this game just from a musical standpoint. And now it's mm-hmm. like the developer too <laughs> it's right. just like it's just like on that level of retro nerdiness that we are and it's like it's amazing i love it i love it yeah oh yeah me too and you know what? i've been interviewing people in the nintendo switch community since october 2017 and because of this playcast i played a new game that i i bought obviously but i had put on the shelf i got to interview the developer and it's always just amazing that there's just so many people in this space and just you can never stop talking to people. I mean, there's always going to be somebody working on the game in some capacity, whether they're the lead designer, they work on the music, the art, they're doing the PR for, you know, whatever it is. And it just, you know, just 
it, that's what makes this such a great community. All I have it's, to say is never stop talking to people. You could say that's I have a problem with that. No. <laughs> 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 but no, it's it's amazing though. Like yeah. I always jokes aside. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. But um it's super cool. Just the, the whole aspect of that there's just so many people involved and mm-hmm. I, I think it's just the the fact that it's like a Nintendo console and cartridge based, and it, like it just hits all the right, all the right buttons. Yes, it does. So, shall we read the user poll responses before we give our recommendation? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm gonna jump into that. So, as always on JP Switchmania Twitter channel, I always do a weekly poll, and I say in this week's upcoming episode, Hagen's Alley and I will be talking about Tiny Barbarian DX from Starquail and Nicalis. Have you played it? What did you think? Comment below, and we'll read your responses right now. So we had 138 votes, which was more than last week, um, which is a good thing. So 7% of people said they're going to play it this week. And if you're listening, let us know if you actually did play it and if you did what you thought. 33% had played this game, and 60% had not. So it just goes to show, I mean, these games are out there, and hopefully this show is uh, opening your eyes to them and wanting you to just break the seal or download it or buy it however you want to do it and and try it out but let's see what people thought well and the thing is is that like i think that the you asked if people have played it but i bet a lot of those people own it that you know what that could also be a you know i'm gonna start doing that as the fourth option i'm gonna Who say owns own it, it own it but haven't, haven't played, played it because i yeah. guarantee you there's some shelf candy because this is again yeah. like the nicolas launch edition which i'm pretty sure yeah. is like a full switch run for most um, yes, it is. it is like because there's still launch editions available, but um, but like that, it's amazing, and there's no reason not to own every Nicolas release. And Tiny Barbarian is, you know, it's a month. another yeah. one that has awesome goodies. So yeah, let's go. But that yeah, that's a that's a great point. I'm gonna do own it, but haven't played it. As oh a yeah, we're gonna on. get you listeners that are yeah, we will. On the not played zone. You, you thought you could just scroll through, not anymore. You're gonna click the vote button now. So we're gonna start off with my favorite person who always comments. It's Jeffrey Wittenhagen. Oh no, I didn't comment. <laughs> yes, you did. You said you played a cooperatively at Classic Game Fest this weekend, and you had some techniques which you shared with us. And I'm gonna use those techniques and hopefully progress a little bit further. Right. So. Et Shampoo said, it's a great little gem. Anyway, basically all Nicalis' games are great, except that 90 Super GP will take until 2032 to release, coming soon in 25 years, 23 to go. You say those Et Shampoos? Et Shampoos. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And I'm wondering if he's talking about the Super G... The 90 Super GP? Or is that red out? Well, either way. Um... So next is at myself one two eight three eight one three two. It's one of my first physical Switch releases. Me and a friend hacked and slashed our way through the dangerous retro style world for hours. Don't skip this platformer; it's challenging and has a great soundtrack. Completely agree. Um, at the Lord Raylus, I've played but hit a part I couldn't progress past and hasn't haven't been back yet. And so if you're listening, like me. <laughs> yeah. I'm very tempted to, you know what? As we're type, as we're talking, I'm gonna quickly just respond to him and say, "What part did you get stuck at?" Because I'm curious now. Let's so I just that said, now, uh, Michael Smith, we got you. <laughs> yeah, Michael Smith, you better respond. All right, so at gentleman underscore n, I imported it when the physical edition was released in the U.S. 
Really good and unforgiving platformer. I found myself stuck right at the boss, first boss. Truly hard game, not for modern gamers. Good visuals as well. Then at CubsFan0430, sad to say I have it but have not played it yet. Wanted to make sure I got all the goodies in there, and that's what we were just talking about, going for that full set of Nicalis while it was still available. So, Casey, I, I hope you're going to play this now. And, and that being said, for listeners, like go to Nicholas's website. Yes. They sell everything direct now, so you can ensure that you get the most goodies that they possibly have. Like It's all packed directly. So they're going to have the last amounts of all the launch editions. Yep, and as you're talking on... I wanted to go really quick and see if they actually still had time. They do. So it's $19.99 also on their website. Mm-hmm. And when you click on it, I'm trying to see if it actually still has the... Um, so it doesn't say that it's the first edition. It doesn't. Um, no, it doesn't. Because you remember so it, last it, it, week I got four games and they were all did say launch edition on their website. Yeah. So just always check their website because it will state if it's the launch edition or not. But at the same time, um, you may still find the launch edition elsewhere. But for 20 bucks, I mean, I think that's just a gr- phenomenal price, especially for a game like this. Yeah. So at Phil the Wee Fan, I absolutely love Tiny Barbarian DX. I thought nothing of it when I bought it, only bought it because Nicalis published it. And once I started, I was hooked. The first level music pulls you in, and the gameplay is just really fun. Can't recommend this game enough. At Ryan Samu, really fun and challenging game. I definitely picked up and put it down initially, but once I got into it a bit more, it became super addictive. Mm -hmm. At HCF Gaming, half circle forward, I wasn't a fan of the art style, so I took a pass on it. That being said, I felt the same way about Wonder Boy, and that turned out to be fantastic. Am I missing out by not playing this one? And I did respond back, and I said, yep. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, what did I write? I wrote, after playing this game, I can resoundingly say you need to play it. The graphics are perfect for it, and it's so addicting. I should have just said, yep. Yep. Okay, so. <laughs> oh, you didn't want to read Rhino's comment? That was a classic not- one. <laughs> basically, basically, he had a shipping error, and he wanted Nicholas to to like fix it. But it's like it's a shipping error from wherever. Apparently, yeah, I'm like uh, in poorly inserted cover. But being <laughs> a part of production, um, there's a lot that's out of your hands as a publisher. So, mm-hmm. like, I guarantee you, if you reach out to a company, like they might send you a replacement of whatever was damaged, um, or a replacement copy, like. Sometimes, like when it comes, if it's like overseas for me, um, I'll ask just to cover the extra shipping costs, so I don't have to pay mm-hmm. that out of pocket. But I'll always send an extra. Like if a book arrives damaged, like I shoot it one for one. So, so normally this would be the end of all the feedback, but I actually, Usually. you know, right before the right before the episode, I put out that po- that tweet that said, "Did you know that the game is only nineteen ninety nine at Best Buy and also on the Nikalis website?" Uh, it's the game of the week for Switch Mania Playcast. And I said, plus we interviewed um, Michael from, from Starquell Games. So I actually got some feedback underneath that. Uh, so Ed Big Mitch Dog said, how did I not know about this? And I just wrote, the more you know. So hopefully mm-hmm. you'll buy it now. Ed Maddie Sora says, it's also complete on cart and has a fantastic soundtrack. Uh, Michael Stearns, you just mentioned, said that not Switch-related, but it might be worth noting that Nicalis is doing a Steam sale this weekend, and there might be a deal in there. So definitely, however you're going to play this game, check it out. Obviously, the DX version is the definitive version on the Switch, so that's what I would recommend. And, and Maximo XJD said, 
bought this over a year ago, admittedly need to play more of this, was really fun. So that's the feedback. And as you can see, the majority of people who did comment really enjoy this game. And I think they were like me, a little skeptical at first. And you just you start that first level and it just pulls you in and keeps you there. And for me, like in 2017, when I first got it, it hit that retro itch that a lot of games in the first year didn't hit because it wasn't overloaded with games in the eShop at that point. So I was checking out games like this, Retro City Rampage, Comico, a bunch of different, you know, retro style games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the releases were a lot fewer and far between in 2017. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, now it's we got a ton of releases and everything's kind of getting lost in the sauce a little bit. And it's going to be up to us to make sure everybody knows about these games. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but Tiny Barbarian DX, um, for my recommendation, is obviously a resounding yes. Um, you know, I already read my review for the Switch Collector, and it's absolutely a must-own for retro enthusiasts. Um and, you know, just the passion behind everyone involved with this project shines through. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, $20 for a physical copy is a no-brainer. Like, this is, yep. a, like, if you're not getting it for 20 it's, yeah, like, there's there's no way that it's, it's you know, a bad buy at that price. And no. plenty, even if you just go through the first episode, it's worth 20 bucks. Yes, absolutely. So, what about so for you? me? I assume... Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not like this game Pat. no I'm just kidding I, I love this game and I'm telling you the more episodes we do the more games I'm realizing that I'm just loving that I never thought I would mm -hmm. play and you know for that fourth uh, poll question that we didn't ask though who owns it but hasn't played it you know I was one of those people I broke the seal this past week I put the cartridge in yeah. and it's going to stay it's it's, it's now a game that's going to stay in my case until I beat it. And it's just one of those games where you could just kind of pick it up and play. And, yeah, I mean, I I can't recommend enough. Even if it wasn't $20, it's, it's completely worth it. Even if you can't find the goodies still and it's just the cartridge, it's worth owning. It's just such a fun game. It, it just, like I said, it pulls you in. It keeps you there. And it keeps it keeps reinventing itself as the game goes through with new mechanics and yeah, I just, I love it. I mean, right before we started filming, I was still playing, trying to get further and further. And when we <laughs> stop filming, I'm probably going to play it a little bit more before bed, before I fully dedicate myself to the next game that I'm going to pick for uh, the next episode. Exactly. And so, yeah, so I mean, that's the thing about the, um, the playcast is, you know, time will go on and we got to yeah, move well. to the next game. And that's where things get crazy. Um, and the thing is, is that, like, technically, I like to wait until at least Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that way it gives me some time to readdress anything I might want to have tackled with the old game. Um, mm -hmm. And plus, the rest of the work week is always crazy for me. So, that helps, too. Um, <laughs> but it all depends, because what game are we choosing for... Uh, for next week what what do we got on the uh the docket for us JP? so i'm i'm breaking our own rules where the last uh few episodes we gave each other you know two choices but i'm actually gonna just decide for us because it's a game that i don't know as a switch collector i feel everybody needs to play it we all talk about it uh -oh. i wonder if you can guess what i'm gonna pick 
Super no. Mario Odyssey. No. no, 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 no. That would be too easy. This is a game just infamously known throughout the Switch Core community. Oh, it's a game uh, I haven't played yet. Is it a game no that one... I own? Oh, yes. And I, you even have a little... Uh, you even show the the page preview in your upcoming Kickstarter page. Does that mean that I own the game, though? Oh, I... I <laughs> You know what? If you don't own it, then I'm doing you a favor because everybody that has a Switch needs to own this game. It's published by Maximum Games. (laughs) We are going to be playing for episode 14, Troll and I. You troll. (laughs) I definitely do not own Troll and I. Oh, no. Well, you know what? It's like 12 bucks on Amazon. You're welcome. I'll send you the link. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to use your link, you shill better. Oh, come on. JP gets no. like fourteen dollars out of that twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say this though, the Maximum Games I think has the best sense of humor. Right, they know by now kind of like how we all feel about this game. We kind of make it our our um, our mascot for Switch Core. Right, we we say everyone needs to own this game. You can guess it's probably not the best game, but you know what? We're not going to go into details for that. But what's really awesome is. We were trying to convince one of our members to buy this game, and they're like, I don't know. And, and somebody was like, well, everybody show show him that you have this game. So we all do like a face selfie photo where we put it up you know, by our face and we take a picture. I didn't respond and, to that because I don't own it. <laughs> no, but Maximum Games, their PR person took a picture. And he responded, and he's like, well, I can vouch for it. And, you know, I actually messaged him privately afterwards. I was like, hey, I'm like, thanks so much for just responding. And he said, I had to get approval, but I was allowed to take the picture. And to me, that just was such a great sense of humor. Like, they kind of understand, you know, how the game is is received in the community, but they still can have fun with it. And you know what? For all of it that I've heard about, I have not played this game, and I feel it's time to. So I'm going to. I'm going to make myself play it. And I'm going to make you play it, too. See, so back in the uh, Mario Maker 2 episode, when you... I don't understand why you're calling me a troll. Exactly. you're trolling us again. It's, <laughs> it's trolling us now. Way to go, JP. Way to go. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm bowing. You can't see it because we're recording, but I'm bowing. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to have fun with that one. Yeah, so that uh, puts a bow on Tiny Barbarian DX. And next week, we'll be playing the infamous troll and i um i'm gonna try to do one further and try some modern uh console ports like the um xbox one version if i can uh because mm. i think it's available on um on their game pass i think i can mm-hmm. play for free so <laughs> i kind of want to know your thoughts on what the switch version is like well, i definitely it. have to play the switch version otherwise i'll be like oh it wasn't that bad because <laughs> like because the frame rate's probably okay on the other version <laughs> but i want to compare it and see if it's actually palatable on the other ones and it's literally that- just the switch port and on other news our switch mania playcast is ending with episode 13 weird just weird coincidence yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so everybody thank you for no <laughs> and i killed us <laughs> my goodness um so now is the time to go over what we got in um oh boy the week. yeah this is a big week <laughs> see like last week i overshadowed oh, jp this week i got in tiny troopers which we already talked about <laughs> um and i only got in one other thing so i didn't get in any other games um i do p- still plan on going and at least picking up horizon um chase, chase turbo, turbo? Yeah. yes absolutely um, the only thing is though is my wife literally just got it free on playstation 
Yep. So like, yeah, it just went free for plus members. But it's like, how much is it at the store? Like thirty bucks. Thirty. It's not bad. And and what's really cool about this one is it's the launch edition, so it's a different cover, and there's a little thank you postcard uh, from our, from Aquarius. Aquarius, which is the developer for the game. So there will be a, a second printing at a future date. And that's the cover that you, if you go to any website right now, they are only showing the second printing cover because that's initially what was going to be released. And then um, PM Studios, who's publishing it, decided to do a launch edition cover. So, so you know, you're if you get have first- two copies, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, I'll have two copies. <laughs> you know what? For a game like this and for PM Studios, oh, no. When- Shanna's raising her hand and she. Waving it around madly. She putting her hand up on her hip because when you dip, she, you dip. She dips. <laughs> she she picked up a a Mickey Mouse plush, shaking his head no, waving his hand at me. I, she <laughs> she says she's on board with two copies, folks. And she's oh my god, she's throwing stuff at me. Okay. Intervention. <laughs> <laughs> the intervention hasn't worked, people. <laughs> but I will say, I will say. So Shanna's actually, I've gotten her a little bit more on Twitter, and she's starting to do tweet size reviews of video games, and she's not a gamer. So the goal was she would look at the shelves and pick a game solely based on the title. Wouldn't even look at the front or back. And because she's not a gamer, she doesn't really have a genre preference. So the first week she played Troll and I. She could not make it past the boars in the very beginning, which was just a tutorial. But the second week, she decided to pick up Horizon Chase Turbo. So maybe we can... um, Maybe we can include her in the future if we ever do play that episode. But... Yeah, so so my point to you is it's a great game. You should play it. Yeah, so definitely I got to do a um, adventure tomorrow with London, and I got to get a picture frame and some other stuff. So I was planning on swinging by Best Buy, see what they got. Nice. Um, Are you gonna take a sky pick? Do you do that with us yet? I haven't done the sky pick yet, but I mean I might as well jump on that bandwagon. I was do doing it. a dash pick. Remember, I sent you a picture. Yes, of, uh, yes, you did. I did a dash pick. So maybe I'll do the dash picks. Did you see what Best Buy did last week, though? Empty Sky Pick. <laughs> JP's no. oh, Mania Sky oh. Pick. Yeah, I did that when I forgot my wallet yesterday. But last week, um, for Fire Emblem... Um, JP's Switch Mania <laughs> Sky Pick, I saw. They Best Buy it. took a Sky Pick outside, I guess, their headquarters, and they held up a printed uh, sheet with my tweet on it with the pictures of my Sky Pick. And I was like, my day was just made. I'm done. I can close down JP Switch Mania. My goal's been reached. But I just think that's awesome. I think they, they have so much fun with the sky pick, and it's nice that they're interacting with us uh, with it as well. And I just love seeing people do it. I mean, it, 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 it's great. So jump on that bandwagon. It's insane. So there's only one other Switch-related thing that I got this weekend. Yeah. Um, and it was at the convention. So every mm-hmm. convention you go to, um, there's guys that sell games, you know, resellers and all that. And then there's a lot of artists. Um, Mm -hmm. The coolest thing about Classic Game Fest is there's a lot of talented, like, pixel painters and Mm -hmm. those that are creating not only Perlers, but this time there were some with, like, these awesome, like, Mega Man pixels and Mario where they're, like, not Perlers, but they're, like, plastic almost printed. And it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was also, like... um, this one that she was making statues, like little resin statues. And so she had some Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild stuff. And she had the upgrade statue that you pray to to either get hearts or stamina in Breath of the Wild. So I'm going to have to post a picture of that because it looks freaking amazing. 
Um, if it's right now, it's in my collection already on my Nintendo published shelf, and it was super cool. I think it was like forty bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, super awesome. She also had a bunch of the Deku's, except for she they were like twenty five a piece, and she had like eight different ones. And I'm like, oh, that's an expensive adventure because I'm OCD and I'd want them all. <laughs> um, but it was it was really cool, high quality, hand done, hand painted. Um, definitely an amazing little item. So that, mm-hmm. that was the only other thing that I got because nothing came in the mail for me, um, and I haven't made it to the store this week yet. I know your new release Tuesdays. Um, I don't typically get out on Tuesdays, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but tomorrow, Thursdays is when I get out with the family. So we'll nice. see. We'll see, and it's it's just gonna be a daddy daughter time because I think my wife's gonna be working late tomorrow again. Mm-hmm. Today she got home like as I was getting right for the cast here tonight. So yeah, she had a late night. Um, but uh, super super crazy, and I, I might have a copy of Troll and I in the in the future, especially if I can find somebody that price matches Amazon. That'd be amazing. Twelve dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I posted the copy. link the other day, and then my friend was like, "Oh man, I just bought it," and I said, "Good for you." And now you're gonna buy it too. Well, I mean, I the thing is, is that every game that's available physically on the Playcast, I'm gonna have to own just for posterity's sake, like because we played it on the yeah. Playcast. Exactly. Unfortunately, and this game will have that much more meaning for you. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be like dumpster fire, and <laughs> we no, might, we might set it on a, literally like char it, and I'll have the remains of it on my shelf. Never, <laughs> never know. Make it custom. So what did you get this week, JP? Okay, so I got a few games in. Um, we're just going to go alphabetical this week. So first one was probably the biggest Nintendo release, and that's Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah. So I picked up the regular edition because in the U.S., if you buy the collector's edition, which I also picked up, you don't get the regular case. You just get the steel book with the cartridge. So I got the regular version. I got the U.S. collector edition. I got the Japanese collector edition. And I got the EU Collector Edition, because they're all slightly different. And today, I actually put up a tweet size unboxing, where I went into details with different pictures, comparing all three of them. So you can see uh, the differences, the similarities. Um, So for you Steelbook collectors, you'll be happy to know that the US and the EU are exactly the same, but the Japanese one is different. And the way that it's alternated or something? Yes. Yeah, so when you open up the US and EU one, there's a you know there's inner artwork and that inner artwork is actually the outer artwork for the steel case in Japan and then their inner artwork is our outer artwork blah 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 so <laughs> two different steel books technically and what's you know what's really interesting is that I thought the Japanese one was done really well very nice CD um, insert but the only difference was they had a soft cover art book whereas we and the EU got hardcovers, exactly the same book, same content, nothing's different except ours is a hardcover. And I don't know if it was just mainly for packaging or for weight, but yeah, theirs was a soft cover, so I was a little surprised by that. That's weird. Uh, and then the one EU, thing that's interesting about yeah. that game is, did they bring the mode from the last Fire Emblem 3DS game where they got rid of the, or they have the option to get rid of the permadeath? Because... That's the one thing that drew me in and made me want to play that Fire Emblem. I still didn't get it for the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is, I it was always off-putting the permadeath. So when a character dies, you lose them forever from the story. And 
they had the option to to turn that off in a casual mode or something. I wonder mm-hmm. if they carry that forward. If they did, I may be picking this up just so I can maybe finally get into it because I know it's one of the most approachable tactical games out there. I'm trying to think because there is there is a topic on the permadeath here. Yeah. I don't I don't know that. Um, okay, so it says. While you can play the game in easier mode that revive characters after each battle, classic mode will still feature permadeath. But okay, even in so classic mode, you can Yeah, but even in classic mode, you can use the power called Divine Pulse at any point in battle, and it lets you scrub back through every single turn in battle until you're at a point you feel comfortable with. Hmm. So this this was from Polygon that I so took this art from. So so you can <laughs> play it without permadeath because that's my thing is like I don't, don't want to be vested in a character and then lose them for the entirety of the game. Yeah, that yeah. to me that's not uh, very enticing. But those that are you know used to this series and it's a staple mm-hmm. of the series, like they're they'll appreciate that it's still there too. Right. So I like the option of having both. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I do like that because you know for a lot of people like myself, this would actually be the first Fire Emblem game that I go into. If I didn't, if we didn't end up playing it, or I play it in the future, mm-hmm. so it's nice that it sounds like you know you have those options, which is good for verse, both the casual and the longtime fans. Oh yeah, yeah. So the next game I got was actually somewhat of a re-release. It was Harvest Moon Light of Hope Special Edition Complete. So the difference now is the complete version includes the full game and all the DLC. Four new marriage candidates, decorations, outfits, requests, and more. And it's complete on cart, so there's no DLC code in the case for anybody wondering. Uh, only 30 bucks from Natsumi, so yeah, it's, you know, if you like the Harvest Moon games, it's you know the, the more complete version. And is that a pattern that we're probably going to see going into year three and then into year four is a lot of quote-unquote complete releases i mean a lot of modern games like especially the mortal combats and all that mm-hmm. they they do a ultimate edition um i think i, I mean for posterity i'm glad that they're doing it uh, mm-hmm. from a collector perspective it's like well what if i bought that original harvest moon now i got a double dip to get it with the dlc um to have it forever or i paid right. to download the dlc and now it's available for essentially around the same price later yep so, it's true i mean I it's, it's, it's a pattern and we talk about it in the community about complete on cart and the first version you know ends up not being complete on cart because of those dlc and then it gets re-released and you go oh, okay now it is yeah. but you gotta pay for it and or you just have to patiently wait if you have an inkling that a company is going to do it and right. so, yeah, I, we're, we're going to see it a lot more, I would say, with the quote-unquote AAA titles. Um, yes. I, and going back to Tiny Barbarian DX, it's still the original version. They haven't done any updates to it. Mm-hmm. So there's no, it's still complete on cart. So far. You don't need to do anything to that game. It's perfect the way it is. So far. It's perfect. So far. <laughs> and, yeah, it's great. All right, what else did you get? I got Horizon Chase Turbo Special Edition, which we talked about was the launch edition. Awesome. And... I got, so I technically got two versions of this. I got Kill La Kill If, uh, so it's an anime-based game. Uh, it's fighting, but what's really cool is it's a, a new story mode where you, the it's sort of like an alternate storyline 
to the actual anime. I haven't watched the anime, but it's one that I kind of want to watch. It looks over the top with fighting. looks really cool. And what's awesome is it's by Arc System Works, who make great fighting games. Dragon Ball Fighters is just one that comes to mind, and the Blaze Blue games. But they actually had a collector edition offered on their website in the U.S., so I did pick that one up as so, well. So you mentioned anime, and I didn't realize, we were talking um, last week, uh, or the week and the week before, about God Eater 3. Yes. And there's apparently a God Eater anime. Yes. Did I haven't not seen know it that. either, but... Did yeah. not know that. So... That might be another thing where I gotta dig into because I just finished my Hero Academia, so I gotta find. Oh, you did? Video. Yeah. Nice. Finally finished this. I'm waiting for the new season, season to start. Yep, me too now. But um, yeah, now I got a, another because what I like about the anime episodes is they're shorter, so yes. those little twenty minutes stints. Super so, doable. Yeah, like because I don't like doing like forty minutes, hour and a half. No, um, I hear you. And and sometimes, especially a game like even Tiny Barbarian, it's going to take a little 20-minute break and then dive back in. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next game I got was one that, thanks to a friend, I kind of helped announce that it was widely available now. Um, even though some people said that they had seen it in stores, uh, many of us in the community did not know about this. It's Professional Farmer Nintendo Switch Edition from UIG Entertainment. So previously, this was a Germany and Netherlands release, and apparently in Walmart, it came out. So yeah, did not know about out. this. It's been out for, I saw it here. I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's but see, nobody, nobody shared it with anybody. Nobody and cared enough for personal, professional farmers. Exactly. See what happened. So quick story. So what happened was my friend Saturday night, this past Saturday, said, sorry, Shanna's giving me the evil look. Oh, I know why. I'll tell you that story, too. So <laughs> <laughs> there's so much around this horrible farming game that I'm just going to have it just framed on my wall At for you. At least you admit it's horrible. That's... No, no. You know what? I'm, I'm sure it's good. I don't want to say it's horrible. I haven't played it yet. But it's probably oh, don't, No take backsies. All right. So what happened was my friend said, hey, did you know that this got a U.S. release? He was on Nintendo Age or one website, and somebody had posted a picture. I said, no, I didn't know that it came out in the U.S. So immediately I went to eBay. One guy, no joke, was selling it for five hundred dollars. <laughs> didn't didn't sell, but he was like super rare, blah blah blah. Super so I emailed rare, him asking, only in every Walmart. <laughs> so I asked him, you know, I emailed saying, "Where'd you get this?" He never responded. Then I saw in the sold listings that somebody had sold it for sixty dollars, for thirty dollars, just like two of them. So I emailed, and one guy was really nice. He, the first guy actually said, "Oh, I think I found it in like a mom and pop store." Then the the second guy mom said, "Mom and pop store with the Switch games, yeah." No, no, not only that, but with UIG Professional Farmer in the mom and pop store. <laughs> so the next guy said, I think I got this at Walmart. I could check for you. And he hasn't gone back to me. But at that point, I said, hmm, Walmart. So I go to Walmart's website. I type in the game. Nothing comes up because their searching is just very difficult. But what's interesting is on the eBay listing, the person had put the UPC code image on the back. So I went to BrickSeek and I found it. So I found that there was actually a listing for it. And then when I searched my area, I saw that all these stores had like four, five, six copies. So I went. A piece. There we go. Yeah. So I went at 1130 at night to the nearest Walmart, which is about 15 minutes away. Their electronic section apparently is closed down, even though they close at midnight because no one has the keys to open up like the glass cases. But I saw four copies there. I saw them right there. Couldn't get them. 
went with Shanna. We we're so excited. We're literally like, it's 1130. I'm running through the store to get to this professional farmer game. And I get there. I see it and I can't buy it. And I plead with them. I'm like, can anybody just open this case? They said no. I said, okay. So we we're going to go back the next morning. And they open up at 6. Their electronics section opens up like 7, 7.30. And I wake up at 8. And our youngest daughter wakes, you know, is still sleeping. So I kind of asked Shanna to stay home with her. And I went by myself. And she was a little upset that she didn't get to go on the hunt with me. But long story short, I got a copy. I'm so proud to own this. And then, you know, I shared it with everybody. And apparently a lot of people went to Walmart on that Sunday and bought Professional Farmer for no other reason than only Walmart was selling it. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, after I posted, people go like, oh, I had seen that in Walmart already for like the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, but nobody had bought it and shared it with us. And honestly, like nobody knew that it had come out. So it was a little bit of a sleeper soft release, but it's out and it's only $30. And now there's a story behind it. <laughs> now you have a story and you can never <laughs> get rid of professional farmer grade. And episode <laughs> 16, guess what we're playing? No, bad JP. <laughs> No, no, I won't. <laughs> All right, so the next game is Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden Deluxe Edition. Um, and this one has includes the Seed of Evil expansion DLC, adding several hours of gameplay and a new mutant character, Big Con the Moose. Explore new locations and embark on a mission to save the Ark from a mysterious invasion. And it's real-time stealth and exploration meets deep turn-based tactical combat. And from the people that have played this previously... They actually said it's pretty cool, and the cover is awesome. It's literally like a boar and a duck. I mean, um, it sounds interesting. As soon as I saw Mutant, I think Mutant League Football. Like, uh-huh. Mutant Football League, so I was like, oh, it's just Mutant Football League, and then uh, uh, then you start going into it, and it's like, oh, it sounds cool. Um, yeah, not, not really my genre, but it sounds cool. But maybe it's one that we'll both try out one day. Maybe. Okay, so the next one I got was Raiden 5, Director's Cut. Nice. Uh, this is the limited edition one. So this comes with, I believe, a. I see a manual, and I thought it came with a soundtrack. I Where could did be it wrong. Come from? Oh, this was a retail release, so Amazon, Best Buy have it. Um, nice. Yeah, Target also and GameStop were carrying it's it. Like, think about this: 2019, we could buy a new Raiden at freaking yep. Best Buy. Like, what are we doing? This is insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I might be getting it tomorrow. Never know. Nice. So the next three that I got, I actually got some flack for this from some people in the community, which is always interesting when I see kind of like negativity, but it's the Wolfenstein Youngblood and the Deluxe Edition. And this is a digital code in box or case, so there's no actual cartridge. Um, But here's the interesting thing that I only found out about uh, by accident is that the Deluxe Edition, there's actually an Amazon exclusive that... On the cover, it just says, it's the same cover as the regular Deluxe, but it actually says Amazon.com, Wolfenstein Youngblood exclusive skin for the Joy-Con. So there's an exclusive Joy-Con skin included inside the case, Cool. Um, but there's no cart. But what's really cool is the Deluxe Edition includes a buddy pass, so you can invite a friend and they play for free. But what's interesting is that um, I got actually, like I said, I got some, some flack for this because people consider me an influencer now and they thought, oh... Why are you promoting a game that doesn't have a cart? You know, you're kind of just fueling the behavior that this well, you're practice just buying is acceptable. Everything, so. Well, that, that and also you have to understand that not everybody collects the same way. And to me, 
I collect retail releases. This is a retail release, whether there's a cart or not. Some people just collect cartridges. Some people are going to buy just digital and, you know, for the same price, why not just get this one? And that being said, like in the Switch Collector book, there's going to be a Foxicle Yes. Section. And, and in, in 2017, we had Sonic Mania Deluxe, which came with a limited edition without the game. Yes. And cartridge. And then you also had, um, what was the other one? The um, Cubed game? Oh, Square? Death Square. Death yep. Square. Yeah, so we at least have those two from 2017. So, like, and it's, 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 it's going to grow. Oh, yeah, it's definitely grown. And there's some European exclusives in uh, 2018, 2019 that we're going to get into in future books. So it's going to be a pretty big section. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk about and kind of see how that evolves over time. And, like, while um, I'm not going to collect a lot of the the code ones, um, mm-hmm. it's still a section to collect for people. And you can choose to compartmentalize your collection and only get carts. That's right. fine. That's your own way. But if you want everything, there's stuff out there there is so the last regular release i got was uh european exclusive it's x morph defense complete edition and this one's awesome it's the complete edition includes the base game all dlcs the european assault survival of the fittest a last bastion an instruction booklet and a three art print set all in the case mm. and somebody asked today if a u.s release is going is planned and xor studios who's a developer of the game responded back to my thread and said that there are no plans for a north american release so if you want this game just import it if you go to shop for mega store it's only i think 30 dollars and 99 cents with free shipping it's about the same what what type of game is it oh so it is a unique fusion of a top-down shooter and tower defense strategy hmm, that sounds and it looks it looks really cool there's epic boss battles destructible environments shooter and tower defense mechanics and, you know, with all the DLC on it and a really cool manual. I mean, I'm looking at the manual. It's another fully colored manual, really well done. And it just makes the game just look awesome. So, you know, I'm not big into tower defense kind of games or even strategy based, but this one looks fun and it looks massive. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, and there is one more game that I got. It just came in today. And this is an Asia uh, exclusive. Well, actually, I'm sorry. It came out in Japan, but in asia they had the english subtitled uh, version and that's omega labyrinth life which is a lewd kind of game um classic jp <laughs> yeah yeah that's me so classic i bought the class- jp with his lewd mouse pads yeah. with boobicles on them this, this says roguelike meets slow life it's a new school experience that is overwhelmingly glamorous legitimate roguelike rpg that can be played and enjoyed many times Feel your chest blossom as you defeat your enemies. The bigger your chest get, the mightier you become. Water your flowers or change the school from inside out. Enjoy your slow life as long as you want. And I bought the collector's edition, so it came with that big boob mouse pad that <laughs> seems to be dude. pretty famous with all these releases. Um, it came with a music soundtrack CD. It came with a steel book, and it was an official Nintendo steel book, not like a, a disc-based one. It came with DLC content and launch edition DLC content. And I think that may have been everything that was in there. But I did a, you know, I did another tweet size unboxing today on my Twitter channel. So if you just scroll through earlier in the day, you'll see everything that came in it. It's it goes for one hundred and nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents on Play Asia. You use code Switchmania, you save five percent, and it is still available. So 
those were my releases to round out July for me. Jeez, a lot of them, a lot of them. Another another light month for me. <laughs> another switch month for you. Another switch month. Another switch month. Um, so let's jump down the rabbit hole and talk about some news. I at least have four things to talk about. Which I can is... talk about my wine. <laughs> that's one of them. Um, okay, okay. So that's definitely one, um, and I actually have an idea for that. Um, so the first thing is um, there's only one pro wrestling game out for the Switch, mm, uh, mm-hmm. but there was ju- they just announced Retromania Wrestling. Yes. Um, which looks like the engine from WWF Superstars in the arcade. Um, and really cool that there's some indie wrestlers combined with some legends in there. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Hopefully they put it out physically. Because uh, I could just imagine what they would like throw out there when it comes to like goodies with this. Like, mm-hmm. It'll just be super cool. I think RGT85 was like heavily promoting it. So Yes. Yeah. So it's pretty cool, though, to see, you know, like... Uh, another wrestling game and i'm still holding out that we get fire pro wrestling world on the switch Um, yes my goodness because i just love that game i have it on steam uh so i could download infinite different types of wrestlers and stuff because it's like fire pro wrestling returns on the ps2 is like my all-time favorite wrestling game of all time and not even a wrestling like fan anymore or like somebody who watches all the time Mm -hmm. Um, i follow some of the indie stuff and the new aew promotion so it'll be interesting to see if AEW goes in with Retromania wrestling or not, because some of the guys in there, like Cole Cabana, have wrestled with some of those guys in AEW. So should be really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one thing for sure. Um, so there's a Switch Online upgrade that they're doing in Japan, and this could be something that could have ramifications uh, to the U.S., and we might even be able to incorporate it in the Switch Mania Playcast in the future. So I'm listening. Not sure if you're tracking this, but um, apparently uh, in Japan, in August, they're giving online subscribers Captain Toad Treasure Tracker for free for one week. Oh, wow. So, I did, yes, I did see that. So if you think about that, that's kind of a little bit of a limited way of how xbox and playstation give you your free game every month mm-hmm. and so like if they do these type of limited plays we can make that like especially if it's a stateside thing we can make it a switch mania playcast like all right so we got this game free this week that's what we're playing for the playcast yeah um, absolutely as long as it's something we haven't already covered um right and absolutely we could give the game you know the focus so i think that would be really cool um, it'd be interesting to see if they try to roll that out. I know modern gamers are probably going to complain that, oh, we don't get to keep it forever. Um, however, I just think it'd be cool just to, to get it for a week and try it out. Like, And, you're, and you're sa- I would imagine that your save status will, will stay on your console. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then if you decide to buy the full version in the future, you continue right. on. And you can yep. beat it during that week, and you're good to go, too. So, mm-hmm. Just getting more playtime on a Switch games. It's nothing wrong with that. Um, nope. And it's not costing anybody anything on top of their normal Switch online. So, I mean, sounds like a win-win to me. Yeah. I I'm. I hope they bring that over here, too. That would be amazing. Um, so another one before we get to the warned. Um, custom console, consoles by publishers. 
So where does that fit in? Because those mm-hmm. are kind of like one-offs, and we saw like it was the Doom trilogy or the Doom Twenty Fifth Switch console, and they're doing a. Well, they did Skyrim. They did Wolfenstein. Yeah, in the past. and that's what I'm saying is like Skyrim was released in 2017. Mm-hmm. So I think that that has to be covered in the book. Yeah. I- yeah, it's not something that I personally collect because if you, you can't can, easily buy it. it. I mean, yeah, you have to be lucky. I mean, we've actually seen it on, on eBay that people have, have sold them, and they go for, I think they sold them for like $1,300 or so. Yeah. So, so, you know, they are in the, and also, if you think about, sorry, the Labo uh, contest that they had, had the exclusive console and the Joy-Cons and the dock mm-hmm. in the Labo design. So, you know, these consoles are real. They are offered through giveaways. But they're just not retail releases. But I think they're important to note because they did come out. And if you're a even crazier collector than I am, you're going to try and find these consoles somehow. Did you say that there's like a, somebody who's like keeping track of all these on a website or something? Yeah, there was a website I had learned about a while back that had been listing all Perfect. of the consoles that came out. I have to go back and see if they've been maintaining oh, yeah. it. We'll, uh, I know we'll that check into that and report back to the, the podcast yes. in a week or so. Because uh, mm-hmm. the thing is, is that anything that was released during the purview of the first book, I definitely want to cover in a different section. Because mm-hmm. that's like a, it's a, like getting a kiosk, a Switch kiosk. Exactly, That's yes. another thing that's going to be a collectible piece. You can't buy it now, but you may be able to get a copy later. And that's the thing, is like, if you're a patient Switch collector, you can pick up some of this really ridiculously rare stuff and i think it's really cool um nothing no issues with it and definitely something to um to keep track of um Mm -hmm. i did see a few people with the book asking like why we're why we're starting so early and a lot Uh of people were like they appreciate that we're starting early to keep track of it and that's mainly it that's mainly it is like as time goes on like certain little things like these custom consoles like we're already going to have to weed through the Etsy and Pinterest posts of the, the fake collector's editions that look amazing. There's a tiny barbarian like Joy-Con and and like collect like console that somebody made um pictures of. So the photoshopping mm-hmm. is is real. It's just, oh, yeah. so we got to sift the real from the the fan created too. So it would be way harder years down the line to to keep track of all this. So it'll be perfect to do it now. Um, if there's something that we happen to miss, I mean, mm-hmm. there's not going to be a whole lot because we're going to go over this thoroughly. But um, if there ends up being anything, I mean, that's there. It'll be easy to do revisions. Exactly. Yep. Um. So the warned collectors. So, yes, yes, yes. That was interesting to wake up to today. Um, so I but- found from a non-Switch release about it. Um, non-physical Switch group release. It was just one of my um. One of my Facebook friends posted about yep. it, and they have a way to get your money back, one hundred percent. Well, that's good because I was not able to get a hundred percent back. I was able to get fifty percent back for the one that expired past the PayPal uh, warranty. Ah, so I'm not sure if his went past the PayPal warranty or not. Um, yeah. However, on PayPal, if you have issues with something like Warren Collectors, if they don't respond. Mm-hmm. You put in a request ten times, you automatically get your money back if they don't respond. Oh, so, oh. War- so warned collectors, if they're not responding, not being responsive, don't give a crap about the people. Um, then, if you keep on putting in the request, once you do ten responses, 
PayPal has a policy where they will reimburse you. So that being said, listeners, like if you got duped into this nefarious thing and you want to take the chance that it's not actually coming out because if they end up bringing it back out, like <laughs> I, I don't see it happening, but you yeah. never know. Um, but you can go through and, and contact PayPal through the normal channels. Once you do 10 responses, mm-hmm. you get your money back. At least that's what a Facebook friend of mine claims happened and it worked for him. So I would say that's a good realm because even if like somebody did a claim on mine, I would respond. So you know right. what I mean? Like, so I would be, oh no, no, this is what happened. And guess what? That isn't ten times no response. So like anybody's doing legitimate business, it doesn't affect you. It affects those that are trying to literally just collect money and hope that they can get away with something. And hopefully that's not the case. But um, it's going further and further down the rabbit hole. So yeah, what what so, was you, you had an inside source or something, right? Yes. So I. Yeah, I can't. It feels weird. Don't reveal your source. No, (laughs) I'm not going to reveal it. It just feels like, oh, I'm being so secretive. But, you know, it's somebody that spoke with a French indie developer. So they're in the video game industry, my contact and and their contact. And they they had confirmed that Warren Collectors had actually shut down. Um, So the person that I spoke with knows the type of collector I am. I I speak with them pretty frequently. And I told them my my position initially was that, you know what, maybe something happened. I'm holding out even after the Nintendo Soup article had gone out saying, you know, that they weren't going to ship out the games. And then we saw Warren Collector respond, and this was back in June. June was the last time. They responded for about a week after that article came out, and then they stopped. But, you know, all along people were asking me, what do I think they should do? And I told them what I did. I said, I'm holding out because in the off chance that they at least release the first game, I would still rather have my pre-order because one of two things. One is that they're going to ship it and I'll still get it. Or two, they could be that company that's just very vengeful and they're only going to give it to people who never canceled and they're not going to make it available again. And and as a collector, I said, well, I don't want to miss out on the possibility of getting this game that could ultimately be rare because the company you know, releases it and then dissolves and is no more. So I, I said, I can't tell you what to do, but for me, I'm holding out. Today, when my source had told me that they shut down, I believe them. They have no reason to lie to me or even to bring it up to me, especially that they know the type of person that I am. And that to me was reason enough to finally say, okay, I'm going to put in the claim. The I'm going to just be done with straw. this. It was the final straw. And <laughs> And what I did actually that you know a lot of people don't know is that when back in November, December, when pre-order started for the first two games, I did the first two under one transaction. Oh. And later on and later on in April, I said, Well, wait a minute, what if they only release one game and then they don't ship it because I had the bundle? So I actually pre-ordered the first one a second time by itself. And then I pre-ordered the third game um, at a, around the same time. So I had three pre-orders with them. The, the second and third one were still within the PayPal warranty, so I put in the resolution claim, and that's currently under you know pending investigation, but it probably Respond will get refunded. Times. Respond 10 yeah. times, JP. <laughs> yeah, but the first one was outside of it, so I, I entered it today. It immediately got declined. I contacted, the, I contacted PayPal through their chat feature, and you know they said, you know, I'm really sorry. It's past the 180 days. We can't do anything. I said, yeah, but, you know, they told us to wait to be patient. Why would I have had a reason not to? I said, so I'm just out of this money when the company decides not to fulfill their obligation. 
And he had told me, he's like, well, you know what? As a courtesy, I can refund you half the amount as credit back to your PayPal account. So I didn't fight him. I said, okay, thanks. Um, so for anybody that you know is, is past that um, warranty period, give them a chat, politely argue with them, and just you know state your stance on this. And hopefully they'll be able to do something similar to what they did for me. Um, and you can recoup some of that money. But listen, I was holding out. I mean, I definitely think I was one of the those last batches of people thinking they're going to release at least the first game. It's got to be at least that one. And today I was just, I'm done. I'm taking them off my website of my limited publishers. Yep. Or maybe I'll still leave them on, but I'll put a note saying. Warning. They seem to, yeah, warning for Warren Collector. If And I even said on my tweet, I said, listen, if I'm wrong, and they come back and say, here's our games. I'll be the first to apologize. Eat your hat. But, yeah. But you know what? As a collector, I would have wanted to know this information. Um, so that's why I felt that I needed to share it with everybody today. But listen, I'm not I, I'm not the law. I'm only saying what I've been told. <laughs> I trust my source. I have no reason to think that they're lying to me. So that's why I shared it. Um, but I wasn't able to verify it myself. I couldn't speak to that developer to see where he learned, you know, that they shut down, but I trust where it came from. So that's why I shared it. Um, and apparently a lot of people are, I think are in the same boat as me. This was their, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I, I saw a lot of people saying that they're putting in the claims today. So reliable source, people, reliable source. Yeah, I try. <laughs> so my question is, were any of those games... Uh, released during the first year of the Switch digitally. No, uh, I think Panakpu or Panakpu. I think that one was because I remember there was one game that I had a spread for, and I removed it when we did mm -hmm. our first live stream. And I'm pretty sure it was one of the Warren Collector games, and I was yeah, like, so "Man, I need to add it back then because it's not coming out." And I want to mention that it had a possible physical release but then possibly not happening yeah so pankapu came out on september 28 2017 yep so that one is um the other one was the zombie night terror i think yeah zombie night terror was their third release that they had announced but that game i'm just checking nintendo's site right now to yeah. see what year that came out i think that was a later one but and then give the me one, one second was, what, i'm gonna Dungeon... let you know yeah, so so sorry. So Zombie Night Terror was January thirty first, twenty nineteen. Yeah. So that's actually the the second year. And then the last one was Dungeon Rushers. Yeah, Dungeon and Rushers. That, yep, and that one was released on May twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. So during year two, only one that we got to worry about for the. And I would definitely say we are going to cover. What? what how do you say that name? I always say it wrong. Which one? Panakapu. Oh, I, I call it Pankapu. Pain P A A N K K A P U. Pankapu. Pankapu. I'm just gonna put an exclamation. So I'm actually putting that into my review template so I can make sure that I cover it. I'll have to create a spread on it. Um mm -hmm. so yeah, that's is there anything else newsworthy? Otherwise we'll jump into some switchbook updates. Um Nothing. Oh, yes, there actually was one um, that just came out, I think, today. I thought I EA, missed EA um, had an interview, and the question was asked, why don't they release more games on the Switch? And from the article I read, the response was, well, they look at the market, 
and they see if the game is on other consoles that people probably own. So like the PS4, Xbox. So their logic was, well, if it's out for there, why should it be on the Switch? I don't know about you, but from what I've been reading and hearing from developers, their games are selling better on the Switch than, than every the other, other ones. ones combined. And, and I'm like, I'll be honest, like, like every week almost. <laughs> like if you're looking at Madden, right? If you're looking at the sports games, yeah, they probably would sell better maybe on the PS4 and Xbox for the graphics, for the hardware capacity. But you know what? How are you not releasing these games? Like it's Madden, for instance, right? I mean, Madden was on everything. How do you not look at Nintendo Switch as a viable additional source of revenue for you? I mean, everyone is buying games for the Switch. I mean, so many so developers that might are jumping just be on. A poor interview or something because it it could be. But you know what? How many games from EA do we have though? Well, and we're in third like, year. My thoughts are, I'm like, maybe they just don't want to run into a WWE 2K18 debacle where their port is so bad that it gets panned universally. Because yeah. like, that's the thing is like having to port one of these modern sports games that's optimized for 4K and all this. Um, porting it over to the Switch, maybe it's just not worth worth it from a programming standpoint to you know make sure that it's still viable on the older the older tech that is the Switch comparatively. Um, mm-hmm. Because like a lot of the games that we're seeing from ports are like also from like PS3 era, and they look amazing on the Switch. Uh, a lot of the PS4 stuff, they're having to do some some magic. And the thing is, though, is that we're seeing more and more modern titles releasing patches that work this magic, and the games are running excellent now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that they're, this is going to be a system that's going to have to be learned from developers. Mm-hmm. And maybe EA just doesn't have the aptitude to be able to optimize their games yet. Um, then we might see more come later, but I think that PR guy was probably just needs to be fired. Maybe <laughs> so, it's a horrible. Oh, I don't think there's enough players on the switch. We're like, come on guy. I mean, I will say you look at doom, right? Panic button, help pour it over to the switch. It's beautiful on the switch. It's so smooth on the switch. I mean, yeah, the graphics are, you can't compare it to the PS4 graphics, right? It's going to look even sharper, but the game itself, half the frames to per me, second, I, but that's what? okay. And it runs yeah. at 30 frames to 60 frames per second, which I mean, it is a huge difference if you're playing them side by side, but if yeah. you're only used to one version or you're just playing that one version, it's still an amazing right. game. Regardless. Like I've only ever played it on the switch. And I thought it played beautifully on it. I mean, I loved it. I felt there was really no issues. And I played the whole campaign. I never did multiplayer or anything online. But I played the single player story. And I thought it was perfect on the Switch. So with and, games like that, like yeah. it, it's really a benefit of having it in handheld and taking it on the go. Um, oh, I yeah. never played Doom on the TV on the Switch. I mean, I have it on the Xbox One. Um, I already got through like the game on the Xbox One. And I played it portably on the Switch, and it's fine because in that smaller screen, it's not as noticeable, or it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. um, because you're you're playing it in the comfort of your like on your couch, like chilling. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't know. To me, it's like a it's a non-issue, um, and it's the lure of the Switch itself is just being able to do that. I agree, and you know what? Worst case, just pour it over an old Madden. Doesn't even have to be Madden twenty twenty. But it's just, I don't know, I just feel like there's still some developers and publishers that are just not 
jumping on the Switch train. We'll just and have it's to just... play Mutant Football League. I guess so. And and we'll have to play NBA uh, 2K. Exactly. I mean, we'll just play the, the ones that we do have. Um, exactly. And I do know another news one, um, that Sydney Hunter is coming soon for the Switch. And they did say that if it sells well digitally, that mm-hmm. they're in talks with physical uh publishers but the thing is it has to have a good selling track record um yeah of course i think gamester john he um said something about like there's still gonna be money out of their pocket when it comes Mm -hmm. to it but talking to the other developers it's more like no they handle it it's hands off so i'm not Mm -hmm. sure who they're talking to with a physical um publisher but like i do know publishers that will produce this without costing I hope so, because I follow Collector Vision on Facebook, so I see their updates, and you know they they've been showing the progression for the Switch, and mm-hmm. I mean I I think we're gonna see a physical at some point. It's not if, it's when, because I think it's it's that fun of a game, and I think there will be big support behind it. But you know it it goes back to that um, that issue of do I buy it digitally? Do I wait physically? And some people will wait in hopes that you know it comes, but at the same time. A game won't come if it's not going to sell initially. And it so, depends on the price point. So like, yeah. if this is a $40 game, it's going to even be a hard sell for me where I'm planning on double dipping the support. But $40 digitally, when I know that they're going to do a physical, that's tough. If it's right. 20 or less digitally, like $9.99 would be perfect. But if it's like even $19.99 or less, and then the mm-hmm. physical is $40, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the other thing. So I'm okay with the physical switch tax, as they have it, because I know I'm getting it physically and it'll be there forever. Um, and you get goodies and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's gonna be a hard sell if it's over a twenty dollar price point. Um, the game is like amazingly overhauled from the uh, Super Nintendo version that people have played. So oh, nice. there's tons to it. Like it's it, they've done the modern console polish for it it's not just a super nintendo port so Mm -hmm. like it's it's an amazing it's an amazing game i've played it at conventions um and as we mentioned on our panel at midway's gaming classic uh dj saramaro did some of the artwork for one of the final bosses so you got a lot of artists involved with this project too that's awesome so that's super amazing um so we can jump into the switch book i've done a lot on the switch book this week um, Let's get into it. Because the Virtual Boy book is done, I already have that in printing, and I'm waiting on Walter Day to get me back stories on his book. I've been focusing on this sucker. Um, so one thing I did is I went through the entire book. Um, I, I, what you didn't know is a lot of the two to four page spreads mm-hmm. weren't actually finished. I only did one page. So oh. now I've completed the whole second page and adding all the the goodie pictures for those games that had physical like limited releases or extra goodies i've um some of the ones like i've actually wrote a few so i wrote tiny barbarian dx um Mm -hmm. also wrote oxium verge and oxium verge turned from a two-pager to a four-pager because i had a lot to say about it and when it turns into a four-pager there's also like full art on pages like it's amazing and that being said if you're an artist out there and you want some of your art from the purview of any book featured hit us up and I mm-hmm. will gladly incorporate. We we'll give you credit, and in the, and especially if you hit us up, it'll be in the back too. 
Um, but I like to leave all of the signatures and or if you have a tag on the picture, I like to leave that on the picture in the book because it, mm-hmm. give, it gives it like a personal feel. Um, and I always reach out to every artist um, and just to see if they're cool with it. If they're not, I'll you know swap it out for something else. But um, mm-hmm. I've had nobody have an issue with their game being in there. So nice. super cool. Um, so, yeah, I got through a lot of that, wrote a bunch of spreads. Um, went over a few different spreads, like Oxium Verge I've had written, but I had to overhaul it a little bit and make it look good mm-hmm. for the book. Um, and then I've been sending JP some PMs about the <laughs> Switch Collector Kickstarter campaign. I love it. And, and so, like, I've been going through and overhauling it, and JP's like, can I share it? Can I share it? And I was like, no, it's not finished yet. <laughs> well, last night I was up till 2 a.m. and I finished it. And so I added a bunch of craziness. Um, the URL, and you, this is easy to remember, JP. It's I made it a tiny URL. So it's tinyurl.com slash switch collector. That's all it is. It goes to the preview page, and when the switch collector goes live, it'll be live. It'll go right to the, the actual page as well. So those that are listeners right now are going to have first dibs, and as soon as the episode goes live... Um, you'll be the first ones to know about the Switch Collector. Uh, next week or soon, he, JP's going to start sharing this, like hotcakes. Um, but it's tinyurl.com slash Switch There it is. There it is. So, um, okay, so, so, so just so, so I know and, and our listeners, yeah. they go to this page, they can click on Notify Me on Launch, and they'll be kept in the loop. There's a little heart there that says Notify Me, just like when we shared my user page last yes. week my user page you can click notify me and it'll actually notify you when i launch a new project whether that be the switch collector or another book i do in the future um but this one specifically number one you can comment so you can see what we have if there's anything you're confused on you oh can let i see us that know yep. and go hey um what does this mean or what is this or is there this option ask us and if we don't know We'll um we'll clarify it before we launch, and if there's something cool that's an idea, we'll add it. So um so there's a bunch of tiers there. I spelt everything out, all the different things. I got pictures of stuff. I created mockups of pictures based on like the limited edition wooden slipcase from the Virtual yep. Boy. I did a mockup. Now that being said, the mockup has multicolor. It's gonna be one color that's gonna be wood burned, and I'm gonna go over it with with uh, ink. So it's either going to be red or natural wood. Um, I have a picture of the natural wood one. It just didn't flow with the uh, with the campaign. Um, mm-hmm. I had like a picture of my my Nintendo boxes. But it whatever we do for the the cover, it's going to be the same for all of them. And whether we go natural wood or red, um, mm-hmm. I think going natural wood would be cooler. It'll really pop because um, because the cover itself is still going to be in there. It's going to be red. Um, but, I love this. But there's that. I posted some high quality pictures of the chest, the game chest. I posted high quality pictures of the arcade. Um, and then so like and the book, and I showed the front and the back of the book with 3D mock-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the bottom I have another section that has the stretch goals. So like there's there's already gonna be a bookmark ribbon. It's me turquoise or blue. Um, for a bookmark ribbon and if mm-hmm. it hits a stretch goal we'll do a second bookmark ribbon so you'll have the blue and red for the switch joy cons 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's printing on the end sheets. So that's like when you open the cover, there'll be artwork on the inside instead of just a white page like most books mm-hmm. have. Most of my modern releases, I like to do that. That's like a standard, but it costs a little more than a standard. So if we just hit the minimum goal, I can do a book. And mm-hmm. then as we hit the stretch goals, like I can afford to do more with it. And that's what I want to do with the stretch goals is extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the highest tier, which is about what I've earned with my other books, is a slipcase for every book. So nice. Every book will have a slipcase. Um, and it'll be with the entire print run. We'll have a slipcase. So I, I want that to happen. That'll be amazing. Um, I haven't de- I haven't decided yet if I'm gonna make it a everybody gets a slipcase that's a backer or mm-hmm. pre- that pre-orders the book, or if I'm gonna make it the entire print run. Um, mm-hmm. It depends on the the end cost to do and how many how much we we earn for the campaign and how many books I can print because anything extra I earn i do extra books and pour it back into the the book now there was something i mentioned to jp i'm like did you find the secret something i didn't talk to you about i'm looking i don't tell me what i missed so go to goodies because there's also goodies so you can add on money i saw um, the cards that we never talked about cards jp Oh, you know, you're right. I saw it. You're a I dork, JP. <laughs> I saw the cards. That's it. So, <laughs> so tell us about the cards. So, anyways, the add-ons themselves. So basically, say you pledge uh, forty dollars for the book. If you do an add-on, so you add, so it's forty dollars. Then there's shipping costs. If you add to your pledge an extra whatever. Um, you can get goodies. So number one is cards. Number two is what was requested by a lot of people, which is check mark stickers. So it's literally stickers um, that you can put in the book in the check mark boxes, so you don't have to mark in the book. Um, those are available on Amazon, so people can buy them. Um, I the the cost that I have there is what would cost to get them shipped to me and shipped to you. So. That's the things. It'll be a separate thing from the book shipping. Um, and then there's uh, prints. I post. I, I did poster, but um, Rusty uh, Shackles, the artist, he wants to do high-quality prints because he said the posters tend to be cheaper material. So he wants to do a nice, high-quality print of the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I, I put his original background that he sent to me. I'm not sure which background he wants to use, so I put that subject to change because it's all on what the artist wants to do. I'm not going to tell him what to do. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a Switch Collector t-shirt, which I think looks pretty amazing. I like it. Yeah. Um, so I like the, everything on here. <laughs> so the cards. Yes. This is where things get a little crazy because Super Rare and Limited Run Games have, started, have done cards. Yes. Um, and I think this would be a really cool way to document the Switch Collector process. So these cards, there's going to be a Jeffrey Wittenhagen card as the author, a JP card as Ooh. the, a we're interviewing, you know, for Tiny Barbarian. They're going to have a card because they're part of the Switch Collector. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, I may... And, and here's the thing. So I'm going to also open this up that if you're a contributor on the Kickstarter, and I don't have this on the campaign yet, but if you're the contributor tier and you're contributing a story, you're going to get a card about you. That's awesome. So um, I, haven't de- I haven't decided if I'm going to do traditional 
cards or I'm uh-huh. going to go like really high quality playing cards because I can do high quality like playing cards and it'd be different than what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, now I used my, I was doing a bit battles card game uh, last yes, year. Yes, I, I remember, working I remember on. that. This is the same outline and background from that and I think it fits really well. Mm-hmm. It's just retro style. Uh, and I think it'll fit really well. This just might be my Hagen's Alley card series that I do. And if I do bit battles, it'll be the same type of deal. Um, I'll see what kind of quality we can do, but it's going to be the highest quality I could possibly do. Um, they're not. It wasn't super expensive to do the, the bit battle stuff. So um, basically, for the $5 increase, you're going to get five cards. Um, and it'll be random what five cards you get, depending on how many we make. So... so- so as a collector, will there be an option to buy the whole set? There is an everything tier on the Kickstarter. Um, and then I'll probably have to figure out how many we're making. Mm-hmm. And then it'll just be a full set. Um, so I'll have to see how many cards that there are going to be. Because I haven't made a card yet. I just right, right, right. I made the example one, which is templated. So I can easily plug and play whatever text I want to and whatever imagery. So like for us, I could use our animated pictures um i could even do a card on the switch mini playcast since we're going mm-hmm. to, we've talked about the switch collector anything that's involved with the switch collector i want to highlight and anybody honestly anybody that covers the switch collector for the campaign and everything i almost want to just make it a part of the experience and the history of it, it doesn't have to be something that's like super rare or anything and i don't think i want to limit the cards it's just they're going to be right. printed like kind of on demand and it's how many are out there or how many are out there type deal. It's nothing. I just think it's a different way to, um, instead of just writing a book on it, it's a different way to highlight the history. And then you can literally put it in like a card binder and, and see everything. So, Ooh, a card binder. Yeah. Imagine a card bind card binder with the switch collector logo. Exactly. So I'm uh, already thinking of stretch goals, aren't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's just one thing that I can just, I, I may, um, and the thing is, is that like, so with the switch collector Kickstarter campaign, um, it'll be like add $5, get five random cards. Um, later on, like since I don't plan on making them limited or anything, I probably will offer a complete collection, like in the Hankins Alley bookstore. Like, That's awesome. You know what I mean? For pre-order or whatever. Yeah. Just, just later. But I think it would be a really neat way to, to cro- like, to, this is what happens when I'm up till 2 a.m., man. It's, it's like I come up with crazy <laughs> ideas that I'm like, yeah, it might be cool. And You need to stay up later longer then. I mean, the lack of sleep is where the creativity <laughs> comes in and where, you know, we I, I do my best thinking when I'm, like, half out of it and going through and wanting to get it done before we recorded so that way what listeners of the playcast when they hear this will be able to go right to the campaign and it at least spells everything out um the one thing i haven't done is is the links weren't working well so i couldn't like i put jp switch mania in there and jp switch mania.com and i couldn't hyperlink it so it was mm-hmm. like it was like going and refreshing up to the top of the page so I don't know why it was doing that every time I was clicking the, the hyperlink button, but that was the only thing I couldn't figure out. So the contributor section is going to be added to a little bit, but everything else is ready to rock and roll because a month and a half from now we launch. 
Like, like oh boy. Yeah, and JP needs to get the writing, which is why there's a caption. I saw in that JP's section that says, "Tweet it, JP. <laughs> Make him write." Because yeah. you are behind the curve when it comes to this. Especially if I, you want to do what you're planning, which is cover everything, you need to get to writing. Yeah, I have I have an idea for a JP Switchmania site to free up my time. So I I will make that happen because now it's time to devote to the book. So my thoughts are um, you're just going to do the text. I will do all the layout work, obviously. Um, okay. And just come up with what you want and ideas and then i'll just conceptualize it i would say do one first so you can see how long it takes you to do one one section and then after that we will see and i would say create a new document instead of going into mines you were going into mine and putting it in yeah that confused the hell out of me just do your own document and just do a running log of what you want to do um i would almost say you need to put down all your intents like with like hyphens bullets or whatever so you know what you need to do Yes. Um, yeah, I need to. Yeah. This is my first time working on the book, and I want to do it right, and I want to make sure that it covers everything possible collector-wise. I will um, tell you the goal. Have everything written before we launch. That's the well, goal, yeah. because I don't like to have... Because there's a million more things to do after the completion. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole post-production that just takes a long time. And if you look at my timeline, uh, right now it's not going to be out till when, according to the timeline, like March, April, mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. earliest. And that's with having everything done. Um, I am way behind the power curve when it comes to writing because I had that April Fool's book that the vir- complete Virtual Boy that snuck in there, and I had to write every Virtual Boy review. Um, so I've been behind the power curve, but now the switch, the switch uh, collector is my focus, and I've been writing at least four reviews a day um i need to up my game if we're gonna get this done because all the digital stuff even in my list all the digital stuff isn't in there from the newer from 2018 to march there's a lot mm-hmm. of games still and then we got to add pankapu and we then we got to do a live stream to go over everything a couple times and see if we missed anything and here's the thing that's going where the rabbit hole is going to go deep jp um recommendations from backers so not only they're going to be contributors but there's also going to be anybody who backs the switch collector is going to have the opportunity to give their top three or so um digital only games that they would like to see have a physical release and if they're not covered i'm gonna cover it (laughs) Oh, oh my god and that's the thing because I literally went down the entire digital list. We we did post one thread a while ago in the in the Facebook group, and I took mm-hmm. all those recommendations. And then I went through and looked at all those games and genres that I thought I would like. I then went through and seen which ones had the like the three and a half stars or better. And then I then I went through them and and played them. So that's where like games like Tumble Seed was fit that bill um and so i already got the tumble sea right up done because we played it right uh, and that's where even trolling i as much as you're trolling me and and you um <laughs> it's gonna give it a good write-up though in the book and i've literally been writing too much for the one pagers by the way that's the one thing that's funny is i gotta write a concise three paragraphs whereas it's like for a two pager it's about four big paragraphs to five concise paragraphs 
and then you got about seven to eight paragraphs for the three to four pagers. There's a mm-hmm. lot of writing. Um, it's easy, though, for the games that I know a lot about. Um, but those that I don't know a lot about, it's going to be tougher. Right. And then it'll be interesting to see like how far down the rabbit hole you go with yours. Um, it mm-hmm. may have to be two sections. It might be your Switch Collecting 101 section, and there might be a variance cover section because that would be its own thing. Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah, I'm going to have to see... Start, start jotting the ideas down, and then once I put some things to paper, then we can discuss how we want to separate or organize it. And I already got to move some stuff around, too, because I have the Foxicles after the digital onlys, and I feel like that needs to go before digital. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so I mean, I got to move a few things around still, and there's only two Foxicles, so... I would say that it definitely needs to be its own section because that section is going to grow. And that's the other thing that we have to do, and the listeners are hearing too, is that we need to future-proof the book so we can't go too far down the rabbit hole where we're beyond reprieve and then there's no way in the hell we can do the next year. Um, that being said, though, like if this is popular, like we plan on doing the next year, and if that's the next year is a campaign and it ends up being two books, it ends up being two books. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna now, are you going to have this? Hmm? Would you do a separate section for limited publishers then? Hmm. Oh, well, would I, you... I would say a section on them, but okay. I would say the games, if they're physical, um, it depends really. You know what I mean? Because it's hard to track down the dates. But right. then again, the slash R Switch Collectors thread. Uh, the um, share drive does have a date on them. So. And we can always reach out to, to the publishers and just ask what they consider to be the release date yeah. and just get it right from the source. Because they all communicate with us that I don't think it's anything secretive. But to me, I'm just thinking, you know, you enter year two and Limited Run Games put out a lot of titles. For me as a collector, I would like to see that list together of their games as opposed to maybe, I mean, this is in the future, but as opposed to maybe just seeing it in the section, you know, here's Limit Run Games, then here's a retail release, retail release, retail release, Limit Run Games again, retail release. I would like to kind of just see, okay, in year two, this was everything they did in order. And I mean, that's just my my suggestion. Well, I mean, because then there could be an argument, too, to have a section just for limited editions and special editions and that's having true, a whole too. section for that, which would be... A whole book could be dedicated to that. <laughs> so, right. so I mean, there's that too. I think that because, like, in year two, limited run games wouldn't be a complete limited run games because they're still year three. Um, it might be something where we can think about that when doing future pocket editions too. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. nothing that we have to decide tonight. People requested pocket editions too. So it's something to think about. Um, it's definitely a good, like, an idea. But mm-hmm. I do like having, especially if we can nail down a date. If we can't nail yeah. down a release date and it's just a release window, then right. I would say we absolutely have to do um, a section for it. And it would be not a limited run game section. It would be a limited publisher section. Right. Yes. And that it's might normal. be a good idea because there are zero in year one. Uh, that's not true. Didn't? Am I wrong to say that V-Blank released in... In 2017, the Retro City Rampage. Yeah, but I was easy. I thought that was available pretty pretty widespread. Well, that was only on their site, and they only had they technically had one or two batches, and that was it. 
Really? There was there were some sold on Amazon. I don't think it was through V Blank. I think it may have just been like excess from a third party seller. But but Retro City Rampage was sold directly on their site. Yeah, because I was gonna say I think I bought mine on Amazon, so I wouldn't consider that necessarily traditional limited. But I bought I bought one on there because it had a different spine. I think with or without the logo of V Blank, and I can we could look back at your and see if it was sold directly by Amazon or not. But I mean, they are a limited publisher. Yeah, they. I mean, they don't release that many games because you know he's working on on them by himself essentially. But uh, Retro City Rampage definitely was a. I think the a limited release. So it limited is. Publishing. So it is something we would need to make a decision on soon. Yes, and we. You know what? We can always we can always poll the community as well what their thinking is as we move along. Well, there is a definitive release date for Retro City Rampage. So. Yes. That's the other thing. I would say that it's probably going to be pretty easy to get a release date, and it would probably make it a better, a better get an article, yeah. as well for to actually have it in the physical releases because it is mm-hmm. physically released. Um, yes. But something to think about. Um, I mean, because the thing is, there's nothing that says that we can't do a subset in the back. Um, right. So I mean, those things like we don't have. Like there's, if you look on the campaign right now and you look at the stretch goals, there's a question mark on the bottom one, right? Right. So I mean, there's stuff we could put in the back, like a collector's checklist, yes, or a perforated like- checklist, or a insert of a checklist or something. I do like that idea too, even if it wasn't like with with the games in the main section, like even in the back in year two and three with limited publishers, and then kind of just separate, you know, put them each in their own category. I think that would be good too, but it's going to be interesting because year one is like the easy year when you look at the Switch right now, mm. and year two is where it gets really fun and crazy. I mean, heck, I might even just do a NES or Super Nintendo manual or a Switch manual that is literally a, a quick checklist of all the games that you can just put in your pocket and take with nice. you, and it'd be easy mm-hmm. to do an NES manual. Wow, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so I mean, I want that. That's I the want thing so for bad. like for stretch goals. That's the thing. I already know how to do it. Um, it could be big, but it would be easy. Staple bound be too easy. Like, uh, I already know how to do that stuff. And if we did that, we just do a switch collector switch case. <laughs> yes, I was. I was literally as you were talking. I was like, I really want a switch collector case right now. Yeah, so I mean, that could be a stretch goal. Is that, oh, yeah, we yeah. do a Switch Collector Switch stretch case. Um, it would have to be a stretch goal that would probably cost a little money on top of it because there's going to be some cost for cases and slip can we Can we have a white bar at the top that says no download required? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh my download, God. no game included. No game included. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think put this is going to be a fun your campaign. Favorite game in here. <laughs> <laughs> Troll and I only. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's going to be fun. And that's the thing with the, like the stretch goals is like, we'll get creative. And if, you know, everybody makes this super popular, like we will go down the rabbit hole with creativity. I, mm-hmm. I have lots of ideas for extra things I can add to the books that I've never added to a book that would just like make the quality go up um, tenfold. I mean, I mean, there's something that I didn't even realize I could do with the last book that's happening in the complete virtual boy that I didn't even tell anybody about. Found out uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be individually shrink wrapped, sealed by the plant. Wow! <laughs> I didn't even know I could do that. And I'm like, oh, well, that just makes everything cooler. 
<laughs> so every copy of the Switch Collector is going to be shrink-wrapped. Wow. <laughs> so already sealed. So you can have a sealed copy and a non-sealed copy. Nice. <laughs> um, the one thing I didn't do either was do um, multi-bundles. Because I know some people get two of each of my books. Um, that is a shipping thing. Because I'm subsidizing shipping, um, which mm-hmm. means I'm covering shipping for those international ones on my side, um, I'm not going to be able to do double books at that price because mm-hmm. um, it's the the shipping will go up so basically people will have to contact me if they want multiple copies or if they want like a a bulk like they want a case of books or something because some mm-hmm. retro game stores want buy it in bulk and get cases um just have to hit me up and i will make that happen it's too easy um also looking into european distribution because that would help a lot if I had a European distributor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know, I know a couple before that have grown since the last time I've talked to them that I need to reach out to and, and see if they're willing to take on a um, a small-time publishing company. I hope so. The, the Switch is region-free. This book needs to be in every country. Well, I mean, it's going to be. It's just going to cost me some extra money in shipping. So if I'm only charging $30 in shipping and it costs $50, i am paying 20 out of the campaign costs right. per, per backer in those countries. So that's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. But <laughs> I think um, it's really shaping up now once you actually see the campaign. Oh, yeah. I'm, I want to share this link so bad. <laughs> so I will say that we post this episode. Okay. And then after the episode is posted, um, I would say the next day or morning, like probably, probably like tomorrow or at least Friday, you can start yes. sharing. And I I can't wait. Because the one thing is is that you can never tell enough people about a upcoming campaign because it's the hardest thing to get the word out. Um yeah. but yeah, so the one thing is is that like any magazines, podcasts, or you know, websites that feature us, I would like to try to do a card on them. Um not saying it'll be each and every one because there's probably gonna be a limit to the amount of cards I want to do per volume. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a cool idea to start with is all the individuals involved, um, those backer contributors, and then anybody who offers some kind of major story, some cool thing. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like that's it. Like, so if somebody just talks about us on a, on a YouTube channel, okay. But if somebody le- legitimately features us and somehow something cool happens, then that, that would be worthy of a historical significance type deal. I don't know. I'm, I'm just spitballing. Like, it would mm-hmm. just be something that would be like, it would be cool. Um, and I know you, you said that at least one or two magazines may possibly be yeah. talking about it. And I know a couple others that are interested. So hopefully it's it's successful because the, the hardest thing I've had with my books is that since I've become a publishing company, I've reduced the price of the book significantly. If those that backed my first complete NES know, it was $70 for a book. Um, and that's how much it costs. It was expensive. Um, now it's going to be $40 for the Switch Collector. Um, and that's, you know, significantly cheaper. Um, mm-hmm. This is And this is so... And it's $40, so I can literally do... If we get enough support, I can do really crazy stuff and not have to ask anybody for any extra money. It'll be perfect. It'll be perfect to support the project. I want to make this happen. 
yeah, so it'll be super cool. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and like, yeah, it's gonna be super, super rad. And all the people I talked to at Classic Game Fest got me motivated about the Switch Collector even more. And in a week and a half, literally a week from from actually a week from next Thursday, I will be flying to Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm going to Game On Expo, um, which is ran by Game Straighty One. Mm-hmm. And I'll be hanging out. Um, there's a lot of buddies going there from like Radical Reggie to um, like a, the entire cast from the Pokemon cartoon. Mm-hmm. The voice of Bowser, Princess Peach, and Mario are going to be there. Um, so I'm definitely going to take some some trinkets to get signed <laughs> the voice of zelda i think is going to be there too um so i'm gonna bring some cool stuff to you know to chat with them about but ask them about what they think about the switch i'm also going to try to get some sound bites for the switch mania playcast mm-hmm. so imagine if i get the mario saying welcome to the switch mania playcast oh uh, yeah <laughs> it's gonna happen because mar because charles martin is awesome so <laughs> and our buddy uh, tim K- kitzrow is gonna be there Yes, we need that as well. Tim Kitzrow is going to be there. Uh, Daniel Piscina, uh, mm-hmm. Scorpion, Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. Um, and the thing is that's awesome about Game On is the after party is a big thing. Like, there's a lot of people that go and hang out. Because some conventions, it's like you go to the convention and everybody disperses. Um, mm-hmm. This this one is a big like community get together afterward. Um, it's the pe- previous years. It's been at Cobra Arcade Bar. I'm not sure if they're doing that again this year. If they do, it's gonna be amazing. Um, that was one thing that Classic Game Fest did last weekend was um they did it was at Pinballs and there was a big pinball arcade and there was a there was an after party there and it it had the beginnings of an awesome thing when you can get more attendees to go because it was a mm-hmm. little bit of a travel to the place um whereas at game on it's within a walk so everybody just mm-hmm. walks over there um some people do a lot of drinking and stumble back uh, <laughs> super fun that's the one thing about being downtown phoenix um so a lot of conventions are doing this after party deal and it's it's super fun and um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing a talk on the Nintendo Switch with Nerdy Nick. Um, mm-hmm. so we're, we're doing a panel. We're in the dead spot, which is the very first panel of Friday. So a lot of attendees will probably still be in work, unfortunately. Um, but we will record it. So we'll we'll do it as an alternate episode. Like we've done developer interviews. We'll do like a panel interview. Um, mm-hmm. I did not record the panel with Brett Wise, but Brett Wise did record our panel last week, and it was more of a interview piece between two authors and me on the publisher side going over our experiences um, in the retro gaming scene. So it was a really cool, we had lots of questions. It was a packed house. There was over 100 people at our panel. It was insane. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. So over a hundred. Yeah, like way more than we had at MGC, where we were back in a back alley, <laughs> hidden away, where nobody knew where to find us. This one was in the middle of the hall, like a middle <laughs> of the convention hall. Like it was awesome, and like tons of people were there asking great questions. I even had some other 
uh, our, um, authors come to me and talk about book publishing too. And I do publish other people and not just video game books. So, mm-hmm. um, it is super awesome and humbling always to talk with everybody. And I always say, if one person enjoys what I'm doing, I'm going to do it forever. And even like with this playcast, it's like outpour of support. I'm happy about that. Yeah. You, know, you never know how well it's going to resonate with, with, you know, just people listening and or wanting to know about the switch or collect the switch, and you know, it's glad. I'm very happy when we get feedback, good or bad. Feedback is always appreciative, um, appreciated because you know this show is going to continue to evolve, and mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we're covering content that people want to hear. Right? We say that every week, but it's so true. It's you know, if we're not talking about something that you think we should be, let us know. If you like what we're talking about, let us know. I mean, the show is is for anyone that's interested in the switch and collecting. Yeah, and I definitely uploaded just the palatable review on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So I haven't actually checked the views because I I'm, don't do that too much. But um, yeah, I mean, I have about the same amount of views than when I upload the, the full one. Mm-hmm. So it's not much of a difference. But I figure we're just giving people another option. If I'm not getting a whole lot of views, though, when it comes to the game ones, I may not do the editing every week because I do have conventions and stuff to go to. And I need mm-hmm. to get this Switch Collector done. So the editing of an episode to video would take away some time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Um, but uh, let us know. More feedback. If you say, hey, I love just the, the game talk side. I'm um, talking about the the game only on YouTube. Cool. Um, how are you on views on uploading the entire episode on JP Switch Mania? So my phone, I think, is a little bit off. Uh, yeah, my but let's. Phone. I had I had 66 uh, views on my phone. Uh, going into the episode right now, hopefully the volume it it is on. We have 86 views, six likes. Nice. No comments, so come on, people. You got to comment. Let us know what you're thinking about the episodes. I only uploaded episode 12, which was the state of mine. Um, so that was last week's. My goal is to put all of the past episodes on the channel as well, so we'll get those on eventually. Um, and I'm still yeah. going to um, – I'm either just going to send JP the video or mm-hmm. I'm going to upload it and delist it because it, I did that last week where I delisted it and let JP get it. Um, but either way, though, like I'm not going to be posting the full ones on mine because I'm not trying to grow a YouTube channel um, more so whereas JP is. So the I'm, more I that... may be trying to grow it a little bit, Yeah. which I'll be happy to say we just passed 2,000 subscribers. We're at 2,033. So thank you, whether you've join because of our many contests or you like the content we hope you stay especially now with the switch mania playcasts coming onto the channel each week i think it's more than enough reason to stay make sure you follow so you get notified just gonna be a great time yeah exactly and i mean it's interesting because like you said you have how many subscribers i we just passed uh, 2000 i am at like <laughs> like hardly any <laughs> I, i've never done steady video reviews though or anything because i don't have the time i've always focused on being an author so that's where right. it's funny talking on that panel and like the initial thing brett was gonna ask me is how is it being a youtuber and i'm like well i've had a channel for 10 years but it's never been a focus i've had videos where they have like twenty thousand views but mm-hmm. um, but the thing is is that i don't do it consistently enough to to gain followers and i don't have like a series that's really caught on i've done a few different series that i like doing 
Right. But then when you don't get any views, it's like, well, I'll just just keep playing video games. Whereas the podcast, we get tons of views, and like I have had a lot better luck and more feedback and more passion and it's easier for editing purposes to do audio only rss feed which is what the Spish mini playcast does mm-hmm. um i think it's perfect and if we could do a video side which is why i record it as a video um and jp can grow his that's why i was like hey jp load it on yours man yep i think it'd be a lot cooler and if that gets you a couple extra interesting people over on your channel then boom they can see some more of your reviews too Yay. So um, what contest you got going on right now? Right. So we just ended one, so I won't go into that because that one's over. But one that's ending today, August 1st at midnight, is the UniKeep giveaway. Nice. So I, I partnered with UniKeep, and you might know them as the, um, the Switch cartridge carrying cases that they made that hold 30 or 60 cartridges but they also actually also cover other systems as well um so it's not just switch they have ps4 xbox disc base and more but i partnered with them because they do these amazing switch cases and they actually do really cool covers that look like the joy cons with the console they on their website you can do custom covers so my goal is at some point to do a jp switch mania possibly even a switch collector I think would be awesome. Um, so we partnered with them, and I also partnered with uh, my good friend Destiny FOMO. Check her out, where yeah. we have we have a few prizes. The first prize is you win a brand new Nintendo Switch system. No joke, you win it. You get a UniKeep case, and you get a copy of Tiny Troopers, brand new US edition. The four second place winners will each get a UniKeep 60 cartridge case, and then inside will either be uh, one Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, or three Tiny Troopers. So you have a one in four chance of getting the new Pokemon Let's Go game, or you're going to get Tiny Troopers. But either way, I think they're great giveaways. Um, but that's not all. That's... The other giveaway I'm running that ends on August 2nd, I partner with HitSense, a great publisher, and they help bring a game called Duke of Defense to the Nintendo Switch. So what we're doing is we have three prizes, or three place winners, you win a digital code of Duke of Defense for the Nintendo Switch, and you win an actual cassette tape of the soundtrack, which I think is really cool. So it's got that, yeah, it's got that retro vibe. Um, So what's coming out next? Well, you are the first to hear about this because we're not launching it until Thursday, Friday. We are going to be, I don't have a name for it yet, so it's working title giveaway, but we're going to have three prizes the first prize is Fire Emblem, the Three Houses Seasons of Warfare Collector's Edition, U.S. Edition, brand new, and a $100 eShop gift card. So that's wow. the first prize. Yeah. Second and third place will each get a $100 eShop gift card. Hmm. So I think it's going to be a great giveaway. We actually have another one planned the week after. So you know what? I'm not even going to share it on Twitter. I'm going to share it right here so you get a heads up. I partnered with Limited Run Games. So we're going to be doing... Yeah, we're doing a giveaway. And you know what? I'm actually going to tell you what the prizes are right now. I'm going to grab the box. Uh Uh-oh. See, that's the thing. It pays to listen to the end, people. Oh, yeah. You think, you you know, it it lulls at the end? Uh Uh-uh. This is where it revs up right before we finish. That's right. So aside from the first place winner getting a, you guessed it, a brand new Nintendo Switch system, I kid you not, we are going to be giving away... 
a Nintendo Switch carrying case from Limited Run Games. So it has their logo and the red design on it. And you're going to get a gold sticker of Limited Run Games. You're going to get a card of Iconoclast. And you're going to get the collector edition of Iconoclast. Wow. Second place. Super Nintendo box, right? The Super Nintendo box. Oh, Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites on display in my collection. Yeah. I did that. So if you don't know what this one is, check out my YouTube channel where I did an unboxing of this. But it's literally a Super Nintendo uh, box with the yeah. game and all the goodies inside. And it fits inside a Super Nintendo protector, yes, which I think is just awesome. So what does second place get? Well, they get a silver limited run game sticker. They get a card of Shantai and they get the regular edition. Shantai, of you, mean, you mean Shantae? Shantae, sorry. Shantai. Shantai. <laughs> so how do you pronounce it? Shantae. Shantae? Not Shantai. <laughs> Shant- oh, boy. It's one of those names. Shantae. It's not Mario. It's Shan- Shantai and Mario. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is late, folks. So anyway, you get a late. copy of the regular edition of Shantae. Shantae. <laughs> Shantae and the Pirate's Curse from Limited Run Games. So... Two great prizes, two great, you know, well, lots of great contests coming up. And we've got even more planned because in September, the Nintendo Switch Lite comes out and we're going to be giving those away. Oh, yeah. So there's going to be literally contests going on every week. It pays, pays, pays you to follow JP Switch Mania on Twitter. That's where we host all the contests. That's where you get all the information. But it's Switch Mania Playcast where you're going to learn first about all those giveaways. And and on the... um the switch light my daughter changed her mind from the turquoise one what'd she go with she now wants the uh the pink and blue controller like buttons for the uh pokemon pokemon one yeah yeah i was like i figured as much because the right side has the pink buttons Uh, who doesn't want the pokemon one i mean the thing is is that i think that one's like really stylish stylistic and looking and as soon as they do a zelda one i'm gonna be a sucker and have to triple dip because i'm a nerd well you saw what you saw what they have for pre-order now overseas besides the dragon quest console with the custom joy con dock and console Mm -hmm. now they have the disney zoom zoom one zoom one and which is gonna continue down that rabbit hole yeah and I mean, I just pre-ordered mine today. I did it through Play Asia because Amazon Japan still isn't allowing it to ship overseas. But that's the one that I'm giving Shanna. It comes out on her birthday. So she's getting that one. And I just love that the home button has the Mickey Mouse ears. I mean, those little touches to me, it's just like, okay, it's a cute one. And I want it. So and it's, it's another console to add to the collection and to the upcoming Switch books in the year. Exactly. In the, year, in the years to come. Exactly. Yep. Um, so um, I think it's time to wrap things up. We're over an hour, two and a half hours now. I was going to say <laughs> oh hour and a half, but I was like... Hour and a half, I wish. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, trying, people. We're trying. We're long-winded. Um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, as always, you can find me at Um I also changed my handle on Instagram from the Subcon 3. It's now Hagen's Alley Books. Hmm. Hagen's Alley Books, because they didn't have Hagen's Alley, so... It's Hagen's Alley Books on there. Um, and I'm Hagen's Alley everywhere else on social media. Um, on Hagen'sAlley.com, all my newest books are up there, uh, what's available. And I have the bookstore there too as well. Mm-hmm. And you are at least yes. jpswitchmania.com. I know that. I am jpswitchmania.com. We have reviews. 
weekly release posts of all the games coming out that support English and those games that you can enjoy without English. Every week, every Sunday, I post it on the website, on Twitter. So if you don't want to miss a release, definitely subscribe to the website and follow that post because I will make sure you know about all the retail releases, all the limited releases, all those cool variants. All that stuff is going to be in those posts. And as on I Twitter, mentioned, uh, Witchcraft yeah. as well, right? And Witchcraft. JP's yeah. Witch Mania. <laughs> yes. Magically, magically, your wallet will feel lighter after following that post. Correct. After you go to his website, your, your wallet gets lighter magically. It happens. <laughs> On Twitter, it's JP Switch Mania. I do daily posts of everything Switch physical related and some digital content as well. Likely while we're chatting on this, he's posting on that. You know, I've been pretty good. I think I only posted one thing, so I'm getting better. <laughs> On YouTube, it's JP Switch Mania. We do unboxings of collector editions, and now we're going to be hosting the Switch Mania Playcast episodes on here as well awesome. then on inst- on instagram is jp switch mania we pretty much just uh, blah, we i post pictures of the new games that come out and if you like the original game boy i've started a new collection of going for an original complete inbox run of the u.s releases and i'll be posting all that on the instagram channel did so I if you like retro soul? did i crush your soul when i said mega man 4 is like 16 yeah i looked at that <laughs> and i'm like it's an m <laughs> Not too bad, but then A has the, uh, oh my god, Amazing Spud and Amazing Taser and all those games. You're tracking what happened in the Nintendo collector community that's going to adversely affect your collected, right? Yeah. It's basically that um, Nintendo Age was bought by a comic book collector. Um, so it opened up the Heritage Auction site, which is the auction site for high-end collectibles, to Nintendo, Game Boy, Super Nintendo. So everything is going to skyrocket in price when it comes to sealed, which is going to trickle down to CIB. Um, yeah. Cart only may not see a ton, but yeah, things are about to get a little crazy. Like, people think, like, prices are going to go down. No, they're going up, people. Um, and, you know... I would say that the the switch, when it comes to the limited stuff, is going to see something similar. I believe it, and I gotta say it's it's very hard to find complete in box for Game Boy. I mean, a lot of people do not sell the box. I've been tracking Adam's Family Pugsley Scavenger Hunt for about three weeks now. I've been following this one guy who has a you know pretty good um, good rated box, but it has some dings and whatnot. But aside from that guy and a sealed one for $300, nobody else on eBay is selling a, a complete box one. And I'm just tempted to pull the trigger on the used one just to get it before I miss out. But, yeah, I'm starting to see that, and I'm wondering, uh, did I make the right choice? <laughs> you want to know what my mentality is behind collecting? Um, yes. Boxes have patina. There is mm-hmm. There are box protectors, which you're going to have anyways, right? And yes, I do it will give the perfect shape to the boxes. So yeah. if it is used, like my Mega Man 2 NES box is like missing part of the side. As yeah. long as the front is display is able to be displayed um, yeah. or the side that you display with your collection, like if you display it like in, in your collection, it's all sideways. Right. As long as whatever you display is intact and the front, because the front has the artwork, um, right. I will buy it. And it doesn't matter if it has a little bit of dings, a little bit of character, um, as long as that's intact, because it's part of the story. The history of that said box has had it. It's had a history. Um, that's true. I've also gotten to the point now where I don't take off 
stickers if they're on the back. Mm-hmm. So if they're not on the label and they're not on the and they're on the back, it shows like a old video game store that's out of business. That's history mm-hmm. too. So like one of my my ne- I had a Neo Geo game and on the back it says McVans, which was an old Indiana game store that's gone now. And mm-hmm. so that's a history. It was sold at McVans. Like that's cool to me. Um, so that's the other thing too. Is so you might be able to just pull the trigger on that one that's cheap right now. And then you put it in a box protector, it looks pristine. That's that's just it. And it, obviously, if you're able to find, for the same price, a better quality, but if there's yeah. just nothing out there, I mean, it might be. Well, my problem it. is I'm, I said one a month. I've gotten like 26 in you know, one month already. So and you got a year to wait or two. I've got like two years already. Yeah, so wait, wait till 2021 when all the, prockets, or all the prices skyrocket. Um, <laughs> or... If you go above that one a month, you just have to go super cheap. That's true. Like under five dollars CIP. See now, now as we're talking, I'm opening it up and I'm like, do I pull the trigger? It's in my cart. Do I just click? How, how, much, how much is it? So it's from Canada. It converts to seventy dollars. That's pretty expensive. Um, I know. That is up to you. you. That is up to you. Um, you know what? It wouldn't be so bad. It's only fifty. I mean, it's fifty-five for the game but it's like 15 shipping you said how uh, many a month one a month wait till next month if it's still there it's tomorrow well, that's date. tomorrow jp oh <laughs> you're bad <laughs> like for me it's already next month for you like for me it's like one minute i'm like all right now pull the trigger because <laughs> we're almost at midnight people um anyways let's wrap this up uh yes thanks everybody for listening thank you um, thank you for staying thank you for staying and we will see you next week see you next week